Hey there. This is Michael T. Coleman, the voice of Cody Travers in Street Fighter 5. Desk work just ain't my thing, but you know what is? The Casanova Podcast, number one in Hawaii. Bingo! Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikel Casanova, and I'm coming at you today with another phenomenal interview. And in today's episode, I have the honor and privilege of once again interviewing my good friend, Daniel Linham. And you should know Daniel Linham as the composer of the majority of Street Fighter V's OST, or original soundtrack. He's composed the themes of Lucia, Edmund Honda, Zaku, Ed, G, Sakura, and the one and only Mayor Cody Travers. Now in this episode, we're going to talk about the work he's done with Lucia's theme, Edmund Honda's theme. We're going to talk more about the one and only Mayor Cody Travers and so much more. So if you're ready to do it, I'm ready to do it. Let's go ahead and get into this episode. All right, and welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm coming at you with another phenomenal interview because today I have the honor of having again my friend on the show. It's been a year since the last time we did this. None other than Daniel Linham, who is the composer of Street Fighter V Season 2, 3, and 4 characters. Many of the soundtracks that you're hearing in the arcade mode as well, and just so many other things like uh, so many games in the works that you're working on. We're going to talk about it. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I was having some fun there. All right. Uh, so, yeah, it's been exactly one year, um, and I've been working in Japan for, uh, as a quick recap, uh, for about 10 years in the uh, AAA gaming industry. Uh, writing music for mostly AAA companies like Sega, Bandai Namco, Capcom, and oh, oh, Konami. A little bit of Sami, SNK stuff as well. But mm-hmm. uh, mostly, uh, the majority of my work has been involved with Capcom uh, titles like Resident Evil 6. And um, just four years later, uh, I was... Uh, I got a surprise call and saying, hey, would you like to write music with Street Fighter? And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, came in at the second season, uh, starting off with Ed the Boxer. And then we were moving on with Minat and I believe Seku was the end of that se- first, uh, second season. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's it. I've done my work. Uh, and then they kept calling me back for season three. And then it was time for Sakura. And of course, the biggest guy of them all, Cody, and rounding off with G. And I was like, oh, this is so crazy. And right before the end of the year, um, I get two new characters thrown at me for season four, uh, which we're probably going to be talking about here right now, mm-hmm. um, which is, of course, the return of the Fantastic Eight 
Edmund Honda. <laughs> and uh, the final fight, comeback character of Lucia Morgan, Puerto Rican, New York, and chick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Algarete. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, she was uh, that's she, a quick she, intro. She oh, was such yeah. a surprise character. Like mm. that that seemed like and I've noticed that since Street Fighter Four they've been incorporating more and more, you know, uh final fight characters, but Street Fighter Five, yeah. they're like, you know what? No, screw it. Here's here's Final Fight. And I mean I, I may know some things, you may know some things as well. We can't talk about it, but it Signs are kind of there that there's possibility of a new final fight. Possibility. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it seems it's ripe for doing a, a like a remake now. I mean, look at Streets of Rage. Yeah, they're uh, coming up. But I actually uh, talked to a guy who is involved with all of these. He has connections to all these uh, uh, people are doing the remakes, or he's like in the beat him up he tried to sell beat him up so he's mm. a concept artist around there and um and he said or actually when i looked at street of rage 4 uh actually i would like to ask you first what was your reaction to the, the gameplay you have seen so far um well okay when i when i first saw the graphic style of it like when they were showing the art i was like okay uh, i guess i can get behind it and then when i actually saw it in motion i was like yeah, it was not what I was thinking. Um, Streets of Rage would look like in the fourth iteration. I would think they would right. go with a more gritty, realistic look. I mean, not against it, but it's like okay. Yeah, uh, I agree completely because I felt like hmm, you just went PG thirteen, huh? Yeah, just like Battle Toads <laughs> and uh, Saturday morning cartoon style. Yep. I mean, it, it was interesting, but it was like. So many things I feel is missing to make it truly a Streets of Rage game. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah. And and the fun thing is my, my friend was involved with looking into development of these guys. Mm -hmm. And they said, he actually said, we they had a grittier outlook on the game in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, but they decided yes to go completely clean. Uh, so it looks more like a Flash game now. It does. Than, uh, it really does. Then keep into the tradition of the uh, animation and it, it feels kind of slow too yeah. Um, yeah but there's another game out there as well that's um i forgot the name of it but that actually looked pretty cool and i think uh user koshiro is involved with that soundtrack oh um um yeah. the the takeover yes that's yeah right yeah and something like that i think would be perfect so I guess that would be the real Streets of Rage follow-up. Yeah. yeah. Compared to the Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> style. Uh, reeks of rage. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> what, what did you think of... Uh, so what are your thoughts on like what uh, Battletoads, the reveal, looked like? I was so annoyed with how it looked. I just... I don't like this art style. It's, un, it's uninspired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they're suffering from the same thing. I mean, it's like, look at all the things that happened in the E3 and and all the games or renewals or what do you call it? And then come to like Commander Keen. It, yeah. It's nowhere as it is supposed to be played anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so the licensing, I mean, they hired some great animators, but it just looks too clean, um, not not too extreme. It's like everything had been dumbed down yeah. for a new generation who is not familiar with the characters. Yeah. So, I mean, if they could do it with the super Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, that would be awesome because yeah. that really fits the style. Uh, but right now, the, um, um, yeah, I know that the deformation of the big ass hands and feet <laughs> are still in there. I mean, that that's the only thing that kind of works yeah. in that style. But as you said, it's kind of uninspired. Like, are we going to get the same levels now again? Uh, will we have a crossover with the Double Dragon Brothers again? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you remember that game, right? Yeah. 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 Now, that was actually pretty cool because I guess that was Rare Software who who did that yeah. version yeah. on Nintendo, yeah, before Killer Instinct and all the other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of Killer Instinct, with how, you know, they had uh, Rash and Killer Instinct the remake or the, well, really? I think, I think oh, it's then I a sequel. Something. I think it's the sequel. Yeah, and then the more the the Xbox version of uh, Killer Instinct. Yeah, he's on. He's a a DLC character you can buy, and I was really taken back with how awesome he looks in a realistic setting. And I was thinking, okay, the next when they announced uh, Battle Tools, I was like, oh, okay, so we're gonna get something that's a gritty, realistic kind of sort of style. And then when I saw that, and I'm like, yo, that was the that was the biggest, honestly for me, that was the biggest letdown of E3. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it looks good. Or I think a lot of my friends, um, when we were at E3, they actually got to play. And they said, oh, it plays fun. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it just doesn't look visually appealing. Mm. You know, it's. Yeah, I, I think this E3 has probably been one of the worst ones i've ever seen because <laughs> so little gameplay so many visualized pre-made uh, videos you know it's like doesn't explain anything anything more gameplay so um i wonder what's left we have tokyo game show uh next week uh, no next month <laughs> and yeah. i hope to go on the business days and see if there's any new things coming out and maybe there will be some more reveals from, of course, Sony did not have their press conference at all this time at E3. Don't you feel like that was um, kind of telling too? <laughs> I think they're like, well, we have the PlayStation 5 ready to go. We are waiting for the right moment, not waste on any space on E3. We are holding on. And uh, yeah, I mean, that that's going to be very interesting because when we talk about games and seasons now, instead of updates and to me, when I heard, oh, there's going to be one more season more of Street Fighter V, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so they need to hold out until at least two, all the way through 2020. Mm -hmm. And then maybe um, in winter, they will release a new machine. Um, that That's probably what they're waiting to do. Yeah. Um, probably just going to show concepts, but uh, anything else besides that, um, I don't know what I'm going to be expecting at Tokyo Game Show this year. Yeah, like I, I I know definitely like with the next uh season of Street Fighter, well not next season, but the next iteration of Street Fighter Five, I know they're fundamentally changing it from the ground up. Like they're gonna use motion capture for a lot of the moves. So I'm like, how is a Dragon Punch or a Tasumaki gonna look with you know an actual motion capture artist? I thought a lot of Five was actually using motion capture, but apparently that was all hand drawn. 
It's it awesome. was all handmade. Yeah, I was so blown away when I <laughs> when I heard from the, the developers that yeah yeah these are not motion captured. I was like, how's that even possible? The way they plant their feet, the way yep. they're moving up and down. I mean, that's like incredible. I mean, there are different animation houses dealing with a lot of different characters. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a animation house in Malaysia or Singapore who were responsible for Minat. Her animation is mm-hmm. so crisp. Yeah. And uh, I think it was the same animation house that also did Cody. Uh, but when you look at a character like Falke or Falk. Yeah. Her look, she looks very stiff. Yeah. To the, the way she moves, the way she gets down on the ground. It's like only three frames or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it looks really weird. Um, so I think. Uh, uh, if they get the motion capture technology for maybe it's not going to be five, maybe they jump straight to six or um, Street Fighter Five Remix or something like that mm-hmm. and hot up all the animation. I mean, a Tatsumaki, what do you really need? You need a, a guy jumping onto a trampoline and a taekwondo yep. kick and yep. capture that. I think you can get away with that. Uh, at least that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, when you say, oh, they're going to motion capture the next game, I'm actually now getting really excited because um, that's going to be real cool. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they record the voices and, I mean, if it's mostly Japanese actors do the moves, motion captures your face and the way they say it mm-hmm. to have the characters really express themselves in the face saying the, the commands, that would be really cool, actually. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So... And then, Okay. Just replace the head rig with the uh, American voice actor doing the same thing, and right. you have two versions of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Technology is fantastic these days. It is. It's it's amazing how like within a short of of a time span of two years, three years, like the technological leaps are just astronomical. It's like, oh, and the greatest one of them all is deep fakes, man. <laughs> do, do you know how that works like i'm I'm trying to figure out how that works yeah it, it's really simple actually um so they actually take a lot of source material pictures from any concernable angle about 180 degrees so they cover from the left side to the right side of the face mm-hmm. many different brightness settings and lightning and then the computer will uh figure out the best contrast and matching that with the scene and the I mean, this crazy guy who uh, replaced uh, Christian Bale, my favorite actor, with Tom Cruise in American Psycho. And it was just freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put on some Rammstein. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, now you, you can start to look well, where that technology can go because you look at uh, a movie like The Matrix and mm-hmm. there were like five actors before they landed on uh, Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first one they pulled was uh, Will Smith, and then it was, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise, and then was, uh, I think it was, um, oh, what's his name? Um, he would be too old, but uh, if, uh, the guy from Point Break. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah, the mullet guy. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Swayze. Uh, 
and then there were two more actors. But on the fifth term, they landed on Keanu Reeves. But to think that they had Tom Cruise or Will Smith in mind and just to replace him like that and see the movie how it was intended, that would be kind of funny to see, you know. And <laughs> yeah, and now we can use that kind of. I mean, the guy, what was it? They, um, I think it all started with a Star Wars Rogue One movie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the end with the Princess Leia character. And oh, yeah. The, and it just didn't look good. But the guy with the deep fakes did that in 20 hours and it looked better. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing to see that. It's like, why wasn't that in the movie? <laughs> it's incredible algorithm. But now you, you start to see the problem with deep fakes is, of course, is you can make people say things that are not intended. So it's a little bit worrisome yeah in that regard um but as a filmmaking tool oh man it, it's it's awesome yeah <laughs> i'm definitely so gonna I mean, to, to take anything that's from a stamped linear media and change that mm-hmm. and just have wireframe models and motion capture that's like a walk in the park uh if we translate that facial capture technology uh for computer games so i I don't think that's going to be any problem definitely definitely yeah like i'm i'm really i want to deep dive into learning more about it because it's it's such i mean it's you know like you said it's it's a bit worrisome in the sense of how people could use it for nefarious means but at the same time it's like wow we have technology like that i mean the fact that we could recreate things from history to give people who you know, because there are more, a lot of people, they're more visual than they are for reading certain things. And if you could use a deep fake in this, uh, a picture or a video of someone from the past and you want to put it in perspective of uh, of anything, it's it's something that it's an amazing yet terrifying, terrifying tool at the same time. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic if you can bring back an old actor to life again, like yeah. Bruce Lee. Uh, now we have the uh, Quentin Tarantino movie out there, but I'm actually boycotting it because I just don't feel it's right. Uh, just because of the Bruce Lee scene makes him look like a complete toff, you know? Dude, um, everyone's talking about that too. I saw Joe Rogan, he talked about it. He didn't like it at all. Yeah, so out of respect. And of course, I, I like Bruce Lee and Shannon and, and all the family members there and you should not disrespect that legacy i mean without bruce lee there wouldn't be any ufc without bruce lee there wouldn't be any yeah kind of uh, real martial arts and without him i wouldn't have my philosophy of how i deal working under pressure you know it's yeah be water uh i mean everything he has said actually has applied to me and pretty much my entire life when it comes to music so um yeah, don't don't spit on the gr- guy who's already dead and cannot defend himself. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit disrespectful. But if they can do it right, uh, if they can go back to the old 1960s, like the game of death, yeah, and try to tune it up with uh, that kind of um, deep fake technology, I think you might actually have a good movie in the end. That yeah, what do you yeah. call it? George Lucas, it yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh man! Yeah. It... No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean that that would be one way to save work that was never 
like uh i mean the paul walker incident with the fast and the furious i mean that would be a way to save all the scenes where his back is turned and you only hear vin diesel talk to him it's like yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) paul walker's that recorded sound clip yeah um (laughs) yeah i do a lot of impressions (laughs) i heard you like dodging bullets you miss it yeah (laughs) like yeah and then, I mean, if we just have a good voice alike and um, put him in the scene and then have that, uh, I mean, they did a pretty good job with uh, Fast and the Furious there. Yeah. It's like those scenes that really meant that he need to speak. Uh, I think he can really do it now. I mean, when I listen to, uh, to uh, Paul Walker, he sounds a lot like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, he does. Keanu Reeves dubbing his lines. That would actually work as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's something we can wish for. <laughs> yeah. Are you surprised at how long like the Fast and Furious series has been running? Twenty years, man! It's insane. Uh, starting off stealing DVDs, <laughs> <laughs> all the way to jumping out of airplanes with cars. Ah, oh, this is mission freaking impossible. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, and uh, actually, about that, I saw the the spinoff the other day, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I knew I was in for a fun ride. I didn't take it seriously. <laughs> uh, I, I had a good time, but man, that movie was long. There was so many scenes that could have been cut down a little bit. Um, it was exhausting a little bit. But, yeah, uh, Idris Elba, great bad guy. Uh, I really like what he did, and and the chemistry between the rock and of course, uh, Jason Statham. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that, that was, that was great. Uh, I really liked them. I hope they can come back and do more. And, but because of that, I, I do know that they have a beef Vin diesel and the rock. And, uh, I, I just think, I think the whole thing is ridiculous because they said the rock is slowing down production of the fast and furious nine because of the, spin-off and i guess no no no. i think it's a good lead-in because this movie actually has a, a character I'm, I'm wondering who it is the hidden voice uh, you've seen the movie yeah yeah okay i have my two theories and actually some people talked about it and i um uh, if we're gonna say spoiler warning go for it uh, who do you <laughs> think that is uh the voice that you hear i that never gave me any thought. I don't know. Who do you think okay. it is? Uh, I have two ideas because at the end of Fast and the Furious 8, uh, Cypher, the woman jumped out of the plane. Yeah. Yeah, and she's not dead. So True. she has a technology to do high-tech uh, heist and whatever. I think she could be one of those people. Uh, but the other theory I heard some people say is that Han is back. Dark Han. He he might have been fried to a crisp, but they managed to save his brain, so he is his voice, and he's been involved with both cases of Hobbs and Shaw's um, uh, connection somehow, and he's out for revenge somehow. Uh, I mean, that was something I heard. Like, really, you're gonna bring back Han, but he doesn't have a body anymore. He's just a yeah, he's a Krang guy, (laughs) doing a lot of revenge. Um, but I think that's a bit far-fetched. But I maybe mean, Cypher saved Han, and Han became like the 
uh, what you would call it, not really in command, but he's like relaying. Yeah. The, yeah. The messages to Idris Elba's character. <laughs> so yeah, it was a. <laughs> yeah. So those are the two things, but I, I think Cipher is behind it though. Yeah. That would be. I mean, they they teased that her, she's coming back somehow. For I mean, the ninth movie. I, I could I definitely, so. I could definitely see that because I mean, they go with Han. I mean, uh, well. Granted, with the direction that they've taken Fast and Furious of the last 20 years, it went from something that you could realistically see happening to it's like a Michael Bay film. <laughs> with a little bit of a ghost in the shell thrown in. I mean, right. Yeah, complete Terminator shit going on in the, in the last movie there. <laughs> but I had a good time. I had yeah. a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, mm, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So we uh, the whole thing. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So so with um so with uh this is current season, is it safe to call it season four of Street Fighter Five? I don't uh, think let me see, they usually have like six uh fighters per season. I mean usually they would have released one fighter every second month, right? Yeah. So and right now the first one we had was Kage, right? Uh, yeah. Eva Ryu, right? Yeah. Uh and then they dropped the three characters. So we have two more, right? Should have two more. Yeah. Yeah, we should have two more. And of course, I have no idea. I have no speculations. But uh, since I haven't received any news or anything, I think I'm able to speculate who it might be. Okay. But I'm not sure. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, the uh, Final Fight character uh, that's been hinted maybe would be Maki. Yeah, I could definitely see Maki. And Seku's intro there, you see her shadow. Yep. Um, that would be one more I could think of. But uh, definitely the fighters we will not see. I, I think we will never see Dean from Final Fight 3. No. It would be a human Blanca, and I think we've got <laughs> enough Blancas <laughs> that we can handle. Um, and, uh, I mean, then, of course, to complete the roster from Super Street Fighter 2, of course... Uh, DJ T Hawk and mm -hmm. Long. I mean T Hawk. He would really tower up against um, uh, Abigail for sure. Yeah, he that would. would. Be, that would be really awesome to see those huge <laughs> character duke it out. Uh, but yeah, Fei Long would be probably left for next season. I mean, that's my dream because uh, I really would like to write music for a Bruce Lee like character. You know? mm -hmm. And Sek was pretty much as close as it could get to Hong Kong action cinema. Yeah. Um, as, as, as it could there. Um, but uh, who do you think will be at the end of the season? Um, these last two characters. Um, if anything, I really think if Capcom really want to capitalize on it, I think we possibly might get Mike Hagar. Fingers crossed. I would love right. to see it because how many games have said that Mike Hagar and Zangief are rivals and yet they've never been in a game together. Yeah, you have a great point there. Yes. Uh, of course, from the old... Uh, yeah, I mean, he was in the Saturday Night Slam Masters, right? Yep. But Zangief wasn't. Which but is they had weird. the kind of rivalry between... Uh, Oh no, I'm thinking about Alex. Uh, I'm thinking Alex versus Hugo 
it was like Hulk Hogan versus Andre, Andre Giant, yeah, staring down each other there, right? Um, but yeah, Mike Hag Hagger would be cool because then we're just missing one more guy, which is guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know I like you. you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I could see Mac Mike Hagar. I think. I think it's without a question we're gonna get guy at some point i i think he's kind of a guarantee although some people have said that they'd rather not have guy because we have zeku but i'm like they don't play the same right yeah i i definitely think maybe if not guy this season maybe they do like a trade-off with mike hagger and a street fighter 2 character and then next season guy will appear yeah uh, with the other cast of the uh Street Fighter 2. But yeah, a lot of people have been talking about why isn't Makoto in this game yet? And I kept telling you, you know, technically this game takes place before Street Fighter 3. Yeah. Because she takes over Sakura's role, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's. And people are still screaming, Sakura. Uh, no, Makoto. Where, when is she coming? Because yeah, uh, 5 is literally right before, I think plot wise, right before 3. Exactly. Yeah. So. So it's like Street Fighter 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it is. Um, and so, yeah, because in the end, I mean, what is it? Uh, the end Boston Street Fighter 3 is basically, uh, oh, man, what's his name? Gil? Uh, LTG play this guy all the time. Oh, oh Gil. Gil. Gil, right. There's Gil and uh, Urian. Yeah, so Urian would be um, take, maybe transformed into Gil and then later back to, uh, I mean, they, they play very similar, right? Yeah, because yeah, I think so the only difference is uh, the, color, Gil, but... the color. I think Gil is lightning and stone and then, uh, no, no, that's Urian. Urian is lightning and stone and Gil is fire and ice. But All right, okay. Yeah. But I think, wait, well, they're brothers, I think. Yeah, they... Probably clone babies, right? Yeah. Out of the uh, yeah. psycho thing, yeah. Yeah. And so... that leaves us to decide what's going to happen with Ed, because he's technically these guys, but more athletic, yeah. more, more martial arts style, and smaller and faster. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how they, they play out later in the next game. Which we already know is Street Fighter Three, but then jumping to Street Fighter Six, that's going to be the uh, most interesting jump because uh, I wonder how they will build this game uh, from scratch again. I mean, when they released Street Fighter Five, I wasn't there when they started, mm -hmm. but it was like a pure tournament fighter only, yeah, kind of thing with a very bad net code and not yeah. so many characters. Yeah. So I hope maybe at least the uh, when they start up the next game, I I really wish they have maybe fifteen to twenty characters at launch straight up from the roster. Yeah. That would be uh, the best way because uh, as I, yeah, I mean I I check Angry Joe, I I check many other shows, and and there are very few games that are really doing it justice for a sixty dollar game. Yeah, like um, oh, what's it Project CD Red? I mean. Yeah, those guys are amazing. They are so much value, 
and if a fighting game can pack that value and of course as capcom has done you can earn the the new characters by just grinding without paying real money i mean i think that's really really nice of capcom that giving you the option to do so and i hope they can continue the tradition yeah 60 dollars and if you want the extra costume of course you might have to pay money or do those challenges yeah to get the stuff so yeah i think it's all fair yeah but, it, uh, you know what's interesting is a lot of people don't even know that you can grind and unlock the characters with fight money i've seen uh, a lot of people complain and say oh it's another season we gotta pay thirty dollars for another season pass i'm like and I, I used to do this where I would jump in the forums or jump in the, the groups and be debating people saying, no, you can just grind. But I stopped doing that because it's like, if, if you're willing to say that you have to pay just to get the characters, that tells me you don't really play the game. <laughs> so. Exactly. And I, I think it's kind of dangerous just buying the character off the cuff. And uh, I think grinding is a way to get better with the other characters before you try to pursue a new character to to main yeah um i mean right now i mean i I was blown away when i saw people playing with lucia uh this last few weeks and how they managed to use her um fire ability to really kick away really fast projectiles and Mm -hmm. burn guys in so many different ways i was like wow (laughs) i didn't know (laughs) you could do that uh so it's pretty cool that people are finding new ways to approach this new character. I mean, when you saw Lucia the first time, you saw that little little flick kick and the little fireball just doing that little curve there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't impressive, but when, when you now start to see players utilizing, it's like Cody's uh, bat, right? Yeah. He throws up a rock and... I never got that to work for me. I mean, I play only... Re- only way I can play Street Fighter Fire right now is if I go to the arcade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't have a PlayStation 4. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, but try to get into practice mode with Cody. I could never get my pipe to hit the uh, hit the rock. I never managed to get a, a full strike. It's, you have to have some skills, man. Yeah. It's... It seems really difficult. It's hard, you know, the, the way that they, they changed up Cody entirely, like, especially because that's, that's what his V trigger too. And you really, I think it's half of a second after he throws it up, then you got to press it to swing. And then you can control either he's going to swing directly at you, knock it in the air, and it then drops down at a distance, exactly. or if it's going to just hit the ground and do a pop fly, it's... And, and I know a lot of people hate Street Fighter Five, but I feel like they got pretty creative with the characters. You know, it's it's the way that one person plays is going to be entirely different. Now, I know that can be said of any Street Fighters, but you could tell that they really wanted to do something different with Five. You know, Cody from four to five is entirely different, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think that was like the most expected character of all time, but yeah. how can they make yeah. him stand out from the previous alteration? And and when they threw in that, <laughs> that pipe, yeah. <laughs> how is he going to use that? And then he starts using it and then you try yourself and you realize how much skill you need to be able to yeah. pull off his stuff with a V trigger too. So 
it's no longer longer a game of chance and now you have to be very calculated in your um approach to uh, to play with a character like cody so yeah hats off to you guys and of course kenny omega congratulations <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah actually i was so happy to meet him last year though so that was amazing he's he's an awesome guy uh, i was able yeah. to finally get in contact with him when i went to e3 i get to meet him so eventually you know, uh, whenever his schedule, because I think with the whole AEW thing, his schedule is so insane right now. So, yeah. probably, I think for all these wrestlers, their schedules are insane. So, because I, I do a lot of teasing. I mean, you've seen a lot of the wrestlers I've teased to come on the show. And it's just like when people are like, oh, when are they coming on? I'm like, when wrestling season slows down. And they're like, oh, we'll just have them just hop on. I'm like, I don't think you guys understand how these red, they're on the road <laughs> year yeah. round. Touring with an entire entourage of people. Yeah. yeah. That's right. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I was just surprised when I found out that, oh, Kenny Omega, oh, he's living here in Japan. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> but maybe now he's moving back to the United States or Canada. I'm not sure yes yet, but, um, by the time I saw him, yeah, he very active on the uh, Japanese wrestling fire pro scene. So, yeah. yeah. But man, I thought he was. I mean, when you see wrestlers on TV, I, I I think they're like huge guys. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I was a fan of the Undertaker. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. huge. <laughs> he is huge. Yeah. And then I saw Kenny Omega, and and I, he's walking around in the in the independent game area in Tokyo Game Show, like. Wait a minute, that's Tokyo, uh, that's Kenny Omega. I'm like, who? And he's like, huh? <laughs> and we, I mean, the strange thing is when we, I took a face, uh, like a selfie with him, mm -hmm. and we both smiling, and I just realized we have the same nose, we have the same face, we have the same smile, the same eyes. We we could be brother if I just called my hair blonde and everything. And you brought back the mullet. <laughs> Go back and mull it. And, uh, <laughs> and go hard. Um, so it was kind of weird when I looked at the picture. Wow, he looks like me without glasses and if I worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun because uh, you, like just like you and me, I actually started going to the gym now for about two or three months now and uh, putting I, on some how you feel? real yeah. muscle now. So I started to feel very happy. Um, so that was quite a motivator. Thanks to you. <sighs> and kenny <laughs> oh man i i i went to the uh i went for the i think the last time i went to the gym before this past week was uh the week of e3 and then ever since i came back it's just been just constantly something new something new something new i'm like okay i'll get to the gym eventually and then i just settled down one day i'm like you know what? i'm just gonna go to the gym i'm gonna go work out that kicked my ass oh <laughs> <laughs> that first day back you're thinking i'm gonna do everything i was doing before no the gym will humble you <laughs> yeah i had one week off when i got back uh i couldn't do the same amount of reps or sets that i did before yeah i was like because i had a really bad cough or a cold or whatever mm -hmm. yeah so the gym really kicked my ass but that told me okay i should not give up and last monday uh since 
I'm in a Japanese gym. You rarely see foreigners, right? Mm -hmm. And there's this guy from Canada. Uh, he has a very particular interesting dialect because I guess he's Egyptian Canadian. Mm -hmm. And he's usually, he used to be a, a yeah, physical trainer, a PT, oh, wow. a private trainer as well. And he, he coached me. And damn, I had so much training ache <sighs> the next day. Uh, but it was totally worth it. And uh, but he had such interesting English because uh, we we need to roll your shoulders, shoulders. It's <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger style. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> uh, you need to roll your shoulders. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, just doing those small extra steps in the exercise. I mean, mm -hmm. I now in the last two days, he said, "Yeah, go two days to the gym." First day lightweight, second day a little bit heavier, one day rest, and then one day uh, cardio, one day rest, and then again repeat of the pattern two days in the gym, mm -hmm. lightweights, heavyweights, rest, cardio, back. So um, thanks to him, I actually grew muscle mass really fast in just these four days this week. So wow, uh, really. Really interesting. So he he was supposed to be a police officer, the the the, the mountaineers. Mm -hmm. uh, so he actually was riding horse, but his wife, Japanese, said, "Let's move to Japan." And we're like, Ugh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so I'm glad he's in my area, so I, I get to have a little bit of PT myself. So nice. it's really helpful. Nice. Yeah, that's that's actually a good workout regimen too, because I I was thinking about like the way. I was doing workouts for like a year. I would just do, I would start off with like 20 minutes of cardio and then go into weights. I'd go light, high reps, and then slow it down and get down to like doing heavy reps, uh, heavy weights, low reps. And then I tried to end it on hit, you know, hit workouts. And right. I would feel like by the time I finished that workout, I'm like, I don't think I can walk. <laughs> to the car to drive home and i was doing that for like four to five times a week so like when i took that time off that that two months and then i came back trying to do that that's why i i think i made a post i was like i worked out so hard i, I puked when i got home i was my body was like you're never doing that again <laughs> <laughs> yeah shocking your body come direct after a vacation yeah i that's the scariest thing because it's like, oh man, I, I, you start to feel guilty about yourself. Like, yeah. why haven't I been to the gym? Why haven't I done that? And you come in, you push the first day and you just wreck yourself. <laughs> uh, so now I know, uh, because in less than a month, uh, I'm going back to Sweden just to visit my parents. Now that's going to be like a, a whole week. I'm not going to be in the gym, mm -hmm. uh, but. I try to look at it. I'm going to try to at least walk 10,000 steps a day mm -hmm. because that's basically my vacation though. Um, and keep up that part, but, uh, whatever I'm eating, <laughs> man, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy it, but, uh, man, I'm going to hate myself when I come back. <laughs> sure. Mm. Well, we definitely need to get you out here to Hawaii one of these days, man. You got a house you can stay at. Stay at my oh, house. Cool. Just saying. All right. <laughs> I'd love to come by uh, after seeing uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Well, they they went to Samoa, but um, <laughs> yeah. 
That was good. Yeah, I wouldn't mind coming. Actually, right now we do have typhoon season here in yeah. Japan. So, uh, what's the you you get typhoons out there in Hawaii as well? Yeah, we actually just had. Um, we've got one typhoon that's I think off the coast of Big Island right now, and um, about a week ago, I want to say a week and a half ago, we had. Um, what do we have? We had two back-to-back hurricanes within days of each other but all they did was just go oh big island we're gonna go this way (laughs) (laughs) so i mean it cooled off we got rain we got a lot of wind and it was good and then for this last week we've been paying for it because it is god it's hot (laughs) Mm. yeah the humidity that follows up after these kind of thing yeah it really beats you i think our heat index is like a hundred and 107 108 degrees is is hot so that's about 42 40 nah say 42 degrees celsius Celsius, yeah yeah Yeah. sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, that's that's a killer (laughs) yeah i mean that's when you wish you could go to the bathhouse every day right Right? (laughs) oh man um so with your work for mm. on Street Fighter Five season, okay, we can just say a season four, season four. That's right. So um, with uh, E Honda and with uh, Lucia, what was the motivating factor? Like, I'm really curious about Lucia, but I want to know, like, your take on uh, E Honda's theme, Edmund Honda's theme. All right. Yeah. Uh, please tell uh, me more. No, no, no. Uh, I was gonna no. say like. What's um because yours it, it stays true to the original, but it also deviates into an original style that's sick that's you know, it's it's definitely you. So mm. and you're you're an awesome composer, so Oh wow, thank just, you. Just gotta um, say it, man. Mm. You're, you're up there. Like for me, you and Yuzo Kashiro are up there. Like your work is that good. That's how much I love I'm, it. I feel very humbled now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Yusuf Kosher's work really has paid off uh, to influence me to some degree. But uh, right now, when it comes to E Honda, of course, uh, mm-hmm. the original composer of, of that track, and uh, Yuko Shimomura san, who I actually met, she was the composer for all the entire Street Fighter II soundtrack, the original CPS board. Wow. I mean, she's, she's so nice and she's so fun to talk to. And, but I, but when I was given this task, I mean, that's a really Japanese character, and they want to Gaijin to write the song. <laughs> uh, I, I I feel a bit intimidated. Um, mm-hmm. That was the same thing when I wrote uh, music for a, a couple of Samurai Spirit Pachinko machines, not the Samurai Shodan games, which I, that would really be nice. But I I've been writing Japanese music for maybe about eight years actually before i moved to japan i love playing all the black keys on the piano i mean mm-hmm. there's no easier way to write japanese music than using the black keys yeah uh, but uh of course that also means that's a kind of a um, a western way to to stereotype a culture and mm-hmm. i try to get away from this uh asian riff as, as much as possible because mm-hmm. And of course, in, in Japanese music, you have the shamisen, who is that's uh, like a string instrument, mm-hmm. like a 
like a think of it as a banjo but with three strings uh, but the strings are tuned in fifth so you have the bandoom bring bring um kind of cool uh, almost like a rock guitar mm-hmm. uh, power chord always going for it oh okay um uh, but the thing here, like, okay, uh, but that's that's how the instrument is sound, and that's how the instrument play. But I didn't go into riffing the Western way. Uh, another direction from Capcom was that we want this song to sound so wrong as possible. Like, <laughs> what do you mean by wrong? Well, um, of course, they explained to me if you look at the video files of the story, you see he's. He's taking care of a bathhouse and he has a lot of tourists. So think of the image that a tourist would have coming to Japan. It needs to be high tech and cool and and traditional. So all this thing needs to mix, but it needs to feel, uh, yeah. It's like uh, a foreigner's idea of Japanese daily life is like high tech, low life, mm-hmm. you know, um, full speed. So with that in mind, I decided, well, I cannot do what they did with the CPS-1 cabinet or the um, Super Street Fighter 2 CPS-2 cabinet. Uh, so I had to find a bunch of mix between electronic instruments and, of course, the traditional koto and shamisen and shakohachi. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I play that flute line as well for live as well. Um, but from that moment on, I mean, those are the, like three most traditional instruments. But uh, I need to dig deep into my electronics to really change it. But then I thought, you know, wait a minute. E Honda, he's like a service guy. He's actually a nice guy. And he just want to take care of the customers in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. But most of the customers right now who are in the story are fighters in some way. And so I thought, let me do a chant. <laughs> <laughs> so the voices you hear in the background is actually me shout chanting. Uh, <laughs> people ask, oh, what, "What is it? What are they saying in Japanese?" And uh, and I heard I actually played this song to uh, some of my students, mm-hmm. and I was asking them, "What what do you hear in this Japanese choir?" And it was kind of interesting because uh, maybe together with a uh, drums and the percussive instrument it mm-hmm. sounds like i'm saying something completely different uh, but what i'm really saying is aikido sama sama karate sama sama so aikido you know yeah um martial arts and of course the phrase sama sama actually means customer mm-hmm. and of course karate sama sama oh karate customer all right yeah come in come in cool down uh but then my Japanese uh, student said, oh, it sounds like he says, uh, Aikido Saba Saba. Saba is basically the most traditional judo grip, uh, no, um, sumo grip, where you take the guy and back break, mm-hmm. like face to face and like that, like a bear hug. You know? Yeah. And I thought, that's actually pretty cool. So that actually kind of fits too. Because yeah. Honda can destroy anybody. Yeah. I mean, when I played Street Fighter 2, it was impossible to jump over Honda because he has that karate chop coming up and yeah. takes you down. So 
it was kind of funny that they also heard the word Saba Saba. Um, but, uh, and Capcom didn't say anything about it. So I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it's actually, I actually, it's the voice that is whispering together mm -hmm. with the, the choir and the, the rest is a sample library. I, I cut up. So I actually got like the Casa Ma, uh, like, uh, the vowels or the, uh, things from a monk library, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then I made that work with, with the music. So that, that was really fun. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, basically imagine what a foreigner would image, uh, Japan to be like the entire wrong picture of, of this thing. And you, you do it. And <laughs> the thing was, I, I did it on my first try. And really? The song straight away. I didn't need to do any revisions whatsoever. And boom, that's the song you hear in the game. What? Wow. See, lucky, that, lucky, that, very, very lucky. No, 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 not lucky. That's a testament to how good you are. Just saying. Uh, Just saying. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, whenever I was under this pressure, like, oh, I need to make it wrong. I was like, doesn't matter what I do, I fuck up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such a classic character, and I just hope this is not going to be it. And uh, then, of course, I got to, to do his story mode as well. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, you get to drool a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that is so much skin, so much bath towels and and of course the, uh, the the little skits in there, but that was actually very quick work. I think uh, the story mode itself, I just took maybe two or three days to to produce, and, mm -hmm. and I was done. So, wow! And that pretty much concludes uh, my feeling of E Honda's character theme. But uh, the theme that some other guy did for the bathhouse uh, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, the music, how it interacts and how it wraps up the round. And it's like uh, very, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the guys who did the uh, bathhouse theme. So, yeah, that was E Honda. And then with Lucia. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one was uh, very, very fun. Of course, when I heard Lucia's coming back and I, and I saw her animation, some pictures, I was like, wait, Final fight three because all i got was she's speaking to mike hagger in the opening sequence mm -hmm. of my um, story it's like oh wow cool and um and then i heard from um capcom sound director that uh we would like it to be uh, uh 80s 90s cop drama tv show think uh, mm -hmm. miami vice uh think the shield Ooh. and maybe a little bit of 21 jump street in there and you you uh, that's what you should aim for so i thought okay my advice it's all complete synthesizer based uh, music so mm -hmm. I, I didn't have any brass or whatever and actually i think uh, my first draft i actually have there on on youtube i actually can play it in the background if it works go for it can i see if if it's there go for it so you can uh, hear my first draft um, in just a few seconds here. 
Oh, are you there? I'm here. Yes, you're there. I'm yes. here. I'm afraid I, I was going in through the wrong window here. Okay. <laughs> um, computers these days. Uh, I did not plan this one out. Um, yeah, don't sorry. worry about it. Okay, so here's the first draft of her theme. I'll try to be, I try to shut up here. Uh, but the intro, they said, uh, we want the intro to be from uh, Final Fight 3, the game. Mm -hmm. And they show me the video. There's like an exploding car happening. And then the music kicks off. And some people say, oh, that's the song called the Explosive Situation. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I mean, I played the game, but I, I didn't think there was any kind of, like, if you listen to the soundtrack, I don't think there's any titles. No, and there's nothing that stands out as far as the music. I think it repeats the same two or three songs throughout the entire game. It's no Streets of Rage, the Final Fight 2 and 3. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, when that song kicks, kicks off, it has kind of this kind of organ, kind of chip tune thing mm -hmm. scaling up. And that actually became the intro. And after that, uh, 10 seconds, it's all completely original. But here's the first draft of my take of the, uh, the character here. Okay. So Lucia's theme, the first draft. Here we go. <laughs> that was my um, first draft of, uh, of Lucia's theme, but uh, the captain said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so maybe they thought this music sounded a little bit too dark for them, or uh, 
Lucia needs a little bit more life. It's not completely all synthetic as I imagine like Miami Vice. It was all electronic score. Mm -hmm. um, but they like the intro. They like the sound sources I've chosen. Mm -hmm. But uh, just too much. Uh, it was just too brutal, I yeah. think, for, for them. Um, so uh, my second try, I added instead of the synth brass, I, I brought in my the classic Seku brass section that I've done before and, mm -hmm. and tend that up. And then when we came back to uh, the end of the song, we needed to have a more quiet uh, section of it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, what do you want? And then, yeah, uh, listen to this. And they show me a clip from, um, uh, what was it, 1976, uh, Dirty Harry. Really? <laughs> yeah, and they said, uh, uh, "Look, listen to the bass and the flute." And they had a kind of like, yeah, noir, San Francisco noir kind of style in it. Oh. And that's how we ended up in the end uh, before the song loops again. So there's a little bit of nod to Dirty Harry at the end of uh, her loop there. So I didn't even think about that. That's that's cool. It, it kind of makes yeah. me think of like uh, with the. Your initial drafts for like Cody's themes and how uh, you had to change it because they were too, I guess, too dark for the direction they were going with Cody. But yeah, I love it. It's just the intro to the podcast, which, man. Oh, yeah. yeah you're still using that one. I'm I love <laughs> it. I love it. Oh, man. It's, it's just, it, it just goes like, and, you know, anyone who's listening or watching when this goes live, um, you, you need to go over to Daniel's YouTube channel. The man has concepts, original works, and they're just so damn good. Just, you know, actually, I was thinking about this completely off topic, but you know how, All right, yeah, sure. you know how, like, when you stream on uh, Facebook and you stream, like, your process of music creation, I yep. was thinking, man, you should totally do that on Mixer totally like mixer has a whole section for that oh um well I, i've been thinking about doing s such stuff but uh my studio is in a very bad condition for the wi-fi oh uh, if i move to another place and i have better wi-fi i will probably do that as well oh so right now i was gonna doing uh post videos actually that's that's the reason i uh i bought um what was it? Um, a graphics capture card, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a small one, but it records directly onto um, an SD SD card. Wow! And so I probably would doing like walkthrough videos about my composition process and do talk over to me while I write music and then post on the internet, maybe in one hour chunks. Uh, okay. Stuff like that, or even better, um, even on this show, you might give me a challenge what I should compose next. I mean, I've been doing these challenges for myself. Uh, before I met you, I think I had something on Twitter. Yeah. Where I uh, did like a, a poll. So we have these three games and these three songs to choose from. Yeah. Uh, fourth choice, right? And then you vote. And that's going to be my challenge to complete that song in due time when I have, have it. And then I upload it to, uh, to the YouTube channel. Um, and that it was really, really fun, especially Sagat's theme that I did a version of. Yeah, yeah your, you heard it, right? your Sagat theme was, man, 
It was so good when you brought, especially when you brought in the horns. Ooh, loved it. <laughs> yes, one saxophone. But yeah, it's really, I really like that song because of the odd time signature and, and the original was, was great. But then I played, um, uh, when I finally got Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo for the PC, the CD version mm -hmm. by, uh, I think it was a British company who did the conversion, uh, Game Tech. And the uh, guy who wrote the music for that uh, Red Red Book Media thing, man, we're friends on on Facebook today. And I said, man, I really love your take on Sagat and how you did Ken's theme and all that stuff. I think his name is Neil something. Mm -hmm. uh, very good musician, but I think he stopped writing music for computer games. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but I think for me that was probably one of the best PC versions of. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo I've ever played. And that CD music for that time, I think he was only using a Korg Trinity. Wow. Yeah. Only one synthesizer at the time. And I mean, that was before we even could do hard disk recording. So just amazing stuff he managed to pull out of his ass. Uh, I mean, fantastic stuff. I mean, it's like... But his, his version of the Sagat theme is fantastic. Yeah. It's so crisp and clean. Have you... Have you heard the PC version? Yeah. Of, uh, yep. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. it. It's one of those things too. Like it, this kind of ties back into what we were saying earlier about how like technology and, you know, you go back to the nineties, like the nineties to now, it's like a whole different era of, especially when it comes to technology, it's hard yeah, to we're believe. getting old, <laughs> right? You know, it's like you, you think about it and you're like, man, if, like the stuff that we have now back in the nineties was like a, uh, a futuristic concept, like full screen touchscreen phones or, uh, the TVs that are super thin. Like I saw a TV at Best Buy that you can literally, it's like a kind of like a projector screen. You can just pull it down and it's super high definition and it's, it's paper thin. And I'm like, man, if you were in the nineties, you never would have thought anything like that as right purchasable at all or even we possible have three three by four tv screens a la total recall the yep. stacked on top of each other yep. and i call it high tech yeah i mean that was cool at the time but uh but yeah the the technology now i mean uh, maybe not many people know this but all the music you've heard so far that i've made it from 2010 up until now it's all been made on laptop um i don't go into studios or anything like that it's all made on my laptop with some different ways of input devices like uh, wind synthesizers or mm -hmm. uh, breath controllers uh, but i haven't used a real guitar for a long time i i do play guitar i play bass but it's like i have no space yeah, but I do I do know the limitations of the instruments, and today there's been a lot of good uh, people managed to convert them into uh, good contact libraries, and mm -hmm. uh, but of course I do know what you cannot do on a bass, so I I try to play as as natural as programming the the bass or perform as good as possible mm. the real thing and and go with that. I mean the guitar solo that we heard in Lucia's theme that did not end up in the game. It's all on keyboard. It's just uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could have played it for real in a real guitar too, but uh, I just felt, man, that was like, oh, I think I did that guitar solo in just first take only. And then I 
yeah, it was just crazy. I mean, that's that's what I love. I mean, a lot of I'm I'm not going to call myself a bedroom composer or a bedroom producer, but uh, when you look at these people who are producing techno albums on their laptop and stuff like that, they just clicking in with mouse and they don't really perform the notes and it kind of becomes that mechanical uh, machine-like mm-hmm. notion of of writing a song. Uh, it feels more like painting rather than performing. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that actually what makes me and maybe a few others, uh, like Hans Zimmer, he says that uh, even thought this, the music I've written every note has been performed mm-hmm. by Hans. And that's why his synthesizer stuff sounds so different from other synthesizer uh, artists. Mm-hmm. Because he really performs, play it for real. And that's that's the same approach I have as well. And that's why I think, uh, I'm not trying to boast myself, but uh, uh, I mean, the, the thing that many people with digital tools are doing or lacking is dynamics and i i think yeah that was make my music like secus theme it's like a it feels like a live recording it, it does like... it does <laughs> and uh, then um, then i i listened to secus theme yes earlier uh, last week i mean it's been such a long time but i'm i'm getting blown away how how retro it sounds it's not trying to sound digital it just tried to be this analog right in the in the mid center there's no high frequencies they're sure they're low frequencies but they're not prominent like a real lp and then i listen and uh, someone wrote man this sounds like sack uh, singer stuff mm-hmm. and yeah you know sack singer yeah he he did a new york uh, christmas stage or whatever it was mm-hmm. and i went back and listened to his stuff and uh Man, sack sack is good, but uh, the only thing that's real in his song is the saxophone. <laughs> Every, everything else is computerized. And I'm not saying anything bad about sack, but but when I do get the wow, this sounds like sack singer. I think that's a really high mark to uh, to reach. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy about that. But then going back, I mean, of course, after a few years, I may not think that Seku's theme is any good i mean that's what other people i mean you look back at your own work and you look it's like man i was really bad (laughs) (laughs) it's like now i can move on and and don't think i mean i i I think working on street fighter and coming so late into the game Mm -hmm. i mean i thought i already i already missed a train when they released the game i thought okay that's it the game is out i missed it i i can't do anything and and then they started with a season so i was like wow uh i'm still alive but i had no idea i would be writing music for street fighter at all i mean that was just uh word of mouth somehow my mm-hmm. reached capcom's office but they already had really great people so i was like why now why me um, mm-hmm. that's always been a question how i ended up there and i'm still not sure if i'm just super lucky or uh, just being able to come back i mean that that's what i hear it's really really hard to like uh write music uh, one song and then get back 
I mean, when you look at the CD now, I mean, uh, I'm looking at the guy. I, I actually know this guy. He wrote the title melody for Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think his name is uh, McKnight. Uh, really nice guy. He's a great drummer. He's a great guitarist. He's a great singer. Uh, and he's been writing, like, maybe... Uh, oh, maybe six or eight tracks um from the very beginning mm-hmm. and from there on the new stuff uh, i'm not sure i don't i don't think he ever came back later uh and now i have to start to get more tracks in the japanese composers on the soundtrack and i was like well, what the hell is going on i did not expect <laughs> that uh but then there we we do have one guy uh i also met him in person that of course is um he goes by the he has a very interesting nickname, Godspeed uh, Akiyama. I guess that's his name, Godspeed Akiyama. Okay. And actually, he's the one who's doing the, not the intro, but he's doing the menu theme. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said, um, you really like Meshuggah, don't you? <laughs> it's a Swedish band. I was like, yeah, I love Meshuggah. And I was like, and so we hang out and we talked. And I met him at a, at a music meetup uh, for sound. Sound engineers, well, yes, sat down and talked about Street Fighter. It was really nice. Uh, so, yeah, he's, I I think he used to be in-house at Capcom, but now he's actually a freelancer mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, so it's, it's incredible how this uh, industry has changed. Just, I mean, either you were part of a company, but now, like, yeah, sound people are sound people. Music is not really considered its own section of a company it's still part of a sound team Mm. um but yeah and maybe if you're a freelancer i guess you have more uh, artistic freedom to do what you want to do and i guess right now i'm very very lucky but uh, i do still uh, i mean right now i might be writing music for um, this year it's only been like 20 percent 20 percent music and then 20% performing with my other live band. We're actually a duo. Uh, and then the rest of the thing is teaching 60%. But I, I'm hoping that I might. Right now I have a guy who's looking for a full-time job for me in, in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had an interview in Japanese and he said, yeah, you're going to fit right in. I mean, the most important here is, is the your music. Mm-hmm. It's really speaking to me. And if we can find a company to work for, I'll say, which company would you like to work for? And I was like, you know, that a company's come back to me a lot has been Capcom. If I could work for them, that would be, that would be fantastic. But mm-hmm. they haven't asked me yet. I mean, they don't announce this on the newspaper or anything. So this is the tracking through the back channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not Capcom, I would like to work for Bandai Namco and do uh, Ace Combat or, um, the Tekken series will also be a good fit for me, but uh, yeah, anything beyond that, um, I, I think there's a lot of things I can still do. Plus, um, you remember, um, um, you introduced me to a guy uh, who did um, an independent fighting game, Fallen City Brawl. Uh, <laughs> Fallen City Brawl. Yeah, right now it seems uh, we're we're a little bit on a um, holding pattern for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's a little bit scared. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but uh, I just, 
I mean, it's very, very nice that independent game developers are thinking about music and money. So uh, I really, uh, I'm very happy that he's thinking about it. So he's like, well, let, let's pull the brakes a little bit until we have funding and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. But I said, you know what? If you need something to help him impress with the customer fundings, I'll write music for you for your, for your video or whatever you're going to be presenting. That that's fine by me, mm -hmm. and we'll take it later on down the road. So so right now, uh, I I've been looking at his work. His updates are great. Yeah, uh, I really like all of his uh, uh, like dynamic damage uh, thing he puts into the stages. It's it's really amazing to see. That's that's just the job of one guy. That's that still really blows my mind. Yeah, that's that's definitely the crazy thing. It's like, you know, he's come a long way with you know the years he's been putting into making this, and it's it's you know you know that's one thing. Like I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that you know when you're creating things and you're trying to, like you're a one man team, you know, like for you with music, you know him with his game and me with the podcast it's it's demanding you know it's demanding mm. it's time consuming uh you hit points where you're at a blockade of creativity and you literally the best thing you can do at times is just walk away from it for a little bit yeah, yeah <laughs> i mean that's the same thing when, i mean the writer's block a yeah. composer's block i was like yeah I, don't be stupid. Don't don't stand there. Go out. Go, yeah. Go watch a movie. Get outside and take a break because you're not on a deadline. Sure, you would like to have the game out there. I mean, there's something we all looking forward to. But the, for me, deadlines are motivators, and that will really gets me to spurt out the music. I mean, um, three hours is all I need to create a demo to to send to the client. Mm. And then whatever they say, then then I actually have something to work towards and and enjoy. I mean, it's better for you to be control of the deadline instead of the deadline controlling you. So, uh, so that that's a little bit of philosophy. Uh, avoid the punch before you get hit. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, are, are um, you? Because um, I know it officially officially has been announced. I've known. I think. You, we, we've we've known about this for a while, but uh, King of Fires 15. Are you on that project? I have not been involved with any King of Fighters uh, related things lately. I mean, that would be if they're doing the same thing I like to do with Street Fighter. If they have seasons, uh, I've done work for SNK before, but not for like real interactive stuff. It's just been Pachinko machines. But that's like been outsourced to Sammy. Um, but yeah, I would love to write music for a King of Fighters game for sure. But right now, I have nothing to do with it, unfortunately. Okay. But that would be a dream come true if if they come and ask. That would be fantastic. Let me let me drop your name. I know some people in SNK. Okay, cool, man. <laughs> I'd love to. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean that's that's I mean the music from King of Fighters. I mean, I would say. From King of Fighters '94 till '98, I think that has been the the best music I've ever heard, besides Super Street Fighter II Turbo. And oh, the the new comeback of Samurai Showdown! Oh man, that 
just blew my mind <laughs> when I saw what they did. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm not a, a Galford fan, but man, I would love to write me with Galford. Galford! Yeah, I, I really like uh, Earthquake's theme from, um, yeah, Samurai Showdown 1. That was pure metal. I really liked that. Um, and then there was uh, a few other guys in Samurai Showdown 4, uh, the, the fire dude. He had a really cool acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, Guitar-based music. Was it Zogetsu? Is it, it yeah, was... I think something like that. Yeah. So sick. Sosetsu or something, yeah. Um, I mean, the the uh, the consistency of the graphics, the way the people move. The of course, if you're playing with the blood on the, the decapitations. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not a bloody guy. <laughs> well, what did you say? Violent video games make violent people. Oh no, goodness. Um, yeah, I mean that's something that really needs to be talked about. Uh, I played a lot of fighting games in my youth. I played international karate on my C64. Of course, my parents at the time thought I, um, I'm an action fanatic. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I didn't go to the school to kick somebody down. No, never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think it's a ridiculous thing to say that violent computer games will make people violent. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. It's you come back from work or your school, you feel frustrated, take it out on the game, boom, yeah. your levels are down, you're cooling it off. Uh, yeah. That's that's what it is. Uh, and, and the I, problem is guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because I definitely feel like it's it's gotten to a point where, you know, this, this, this topic, and I feel like it's been proven false time and time and time every time they try to bring it up as a talking point it's like no the violence in game because if you're going to target games you need to target music then you need to target movies you need to target books you need to target any interactive medium because violence is in everything but that does not mean that that's going to attune you to being a violent person you have to look at exactly. the, the situation like okay i'll i'll be completely honest America has a really bad gun problem, <laughs> mm. you know, we, we do. And it's like, wh why are we not looking at what's causing that? Like what's causing these issues of these mass, you know, things that are going on in the, the fighting, like that needs. I remember that stupid tweet, man. They don't have video games in Japan, so there's no violence. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if, if that was true, of course, then Sweden and South Korea and Japan would be wastelands by this point. But so, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's a terrible you. thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrible thing that happened. But uh, I, I, I think when you're going after video games, you're you're in the wrong. You're barking up the wrong tree. Uh, yeah. If you can get a. Uh, what was it? AR-15. Remember, I'm not a. I'm a Swedish guy. I don't have access to guns. I never did the military. Mm -hmm. But if you can be 15 years old to buy a gun, but you're not old enough to buy alcohol, and then that's where I start to see there's the. the it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's, uh, that, that's the same for me too, because it's like I've never understood how you know here in America you can sign up to join the military at 18, so 17. I think it's the earliest is 17. Why not? 
So it's voluntary, you say? Yeah, you you can sign up. You can voluntarily sign up to. I'm well, it's sort of voluntary because you we we especially if you're a male, you have to um, do the drafting. Yeah, right? yeah, you have yeah. to sign, do the the selective service form, which I think I need to renew mine. Uh, which I think I'm I'm past the point where I can even join anyway. Uh, but yeah, so you can sign up to willingly join the military at 17, 18 years old. You can go to war, you can kill people, you can fire guns, but you can't drink alcohol till you're 21. That's just messed up. It did. Yeah. I know. We're both it, laughing at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the priorities is wrong. And of course, we all know, um, I mean, I'm not supposed to be dabbling in politics. I mean, people say musicians, you should not talk about politics or stuff like that. But I, I'm, I'm really happy that you have a show that you actually have an outlet for many, many things, even yeah. today we're talking about computer yeah. games in general. Mm -hmm. um, I really like when you're having debates uh, about very important topics. But I'm glad we actually both have the same view about uh, guns and uh, uh, the the just the crazy thing that revolves around the game uh, i mean guns correlating to uh, computer game violence it's, we i'm glad we're both on the same page yeah. i mean i i i enjoy doom i like to you know play doom especially the new doom i love it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean i'm gonna go out and and you know get a ar-15 or whatever and go do some type of atrocity and it's like it makes me wonder how out of touch are these people that are making these talking points? Like who, who, who is the person that's giving these, these people the talking points? Old Who's from the 19th century? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Shooting muskets or something? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that was, I mean, I, I, I've read about the second amendment and that's actually true. You said muskets. Yeah. That was the only true way to bear arms, but it was only for, uh, militia, if I'm remembered, not yeah. for everybody, controlled militia in yeah. case of invasion, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the second amendment needs to be amended. Um, I mean, that's what it calls an amendment, right? Yeah. So, um, oh man. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say like, it, it does need to, I mean, there needs to be amendments across the board on it because what i mean things that were prevalent 200 or so years ago aren't really a thing now you know exactly so yeah. it's, i don't know like i mean i mean that's why we have the uh like the um um what is it called the msrb uh, rankings mm -hmm. on the uh, computer games i mean if you're a parent buying a, a computer game i mean I, I remember i was reading like a, an old comic strip i think comic strip was uh, foxtrot mm -hmm. remember those yeah yeah and the little kid is uh playing a really bloody game and uh, the the father says uh are, are you playing a violent video game now it's rated m ah oh, m for mild okay okay we're fine <laughs> like, <laughs> uh i thought that was that was I mean, that's the thing. I mean, parents, parents is the ultimate uh, responsibility. I mean, I mean, I, I see the same problem happening in Sweden as well. I mean, what happened when, when you go out, you're eating in a restaurant and suddenly the kid starts crying, right? Mm -hmm. 
they don't take the time to sit down and talk and say, hey, what you're doing right now, you're, you're behaving really badly. If you're quiet, you can get an ice cream. I mean, they don't do that. They just put the smartphone right in front of the faces. Here, yeah. play Angry Birds, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it makes me so upset. I mean, that's the craziest thing. Here in Japan, little kids have full respect for their parents. I mean, mm -hmm. even against the teachers and... Even though we have a smartphone society here now, of course, kids will not get a smartphone until they're like 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. uh, anything before that, it's all micromanaged by the parents here. And um, it's really good. I'm happy to see that, okay, sometimes we have the Yakuza parents. I mean, they are the worst. They're like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, Omoiraku. <laughs> Shut up and play, basically. And I was like, oh man, the, the, they are going to have the worst spoiled kids ever. You yeah. Know? It's like, no one is earning. The, yeah, that's what we're missing now these days. I mean, that's uh, kids need to understand how to earn the right to yeah. do something, I think. And Sweden is falling behind as well. I mean, that's the problem being in being in IT country is that you start to get lazy yeah. a lot. Yeah, you you think the internet will carry all the answers for your research, but then you realize it's it's full of shit like Alex Jones out there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> worst conspiracy theories of all. Um, They're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're drinking water. Uh, yeah, I, oh, man. And the worst thing of all is I have friends in Sweden who believes everything Alex Jones have said. And I was like, oh, man, how am I going to deal with this when I get home? Usually I, I let them get away with a free pass because they're my friends. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, we, we have a common objectivity in music and stuff like that. But when they're starting talking about um, space aliens in Area 51 and... Uh, uh, and uh, of course, uh, they're uh, they're uh, they're poisoning the earth with um, uh, the uh, what do you call well, this? What, what thing? was it? He said shit like that. Oh like, yeah, the, 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 trails. the trails, the chemtrails, yeah, chemtrails. That's <laughs> like, I would really like to tell them to please hold it, cowboy, or let me tell you something. I mean, but of course, at the time. Sure, they're a lot older than me. And of course, you and I, we always say respect your elders. Yeah. Um, but then you come to a point, you realize, man, I've been told a lot of shit by these people. <laughs> that stresses the shit out of me. I mean, the worst thing was when I well, I was here during the um, uh, 3-11 uh, earthquake tsunami that hit mm -hmm. Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Luckily, my wife, she was in South Korea and she was in a restaurant eating and then the, the, the Korean host said, hey, look at TV, your country. Oh, cool action film. And she was eating her ramen. She, yeah. she didn't know this was happening live, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was walking out and I saw this uh, woman carrying her baby and a strap. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to go back home and get a plastic bag because I'm going to go shopping, yeah. shopping for food. Five meters away from the door, the entire thing started to shake. I mean, all the cars that were parked in their spot were sliding out of their spot. Mm -hmm. And we were we were like floating on like it was a surfboard, man. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And 
then it started to settle down a little bit. And I said, okay, I need to check. So everything is fine in my apartment and get my plastic bag and get out. Yeah. I go in and like we are on, we have two floors. So right now I'm on the second floor. The first floor looked fine. Mm-hmm. Only one broken piece of bo- uh, of a glass. That's uh-huh. it. That's the only damage that was downstairs. Then I came up to, to my studio, second floor. My my speakers has fallen down. My mixer, my screen, my but they hadn't really fallen down to the floor. Mm-hmm. As as a creation musician, you have a lot of cabling, right? So yeah. they actually were saving themselves. So I just needed to lift them all up and place on the table. And it's like, ooh, that was good. Um, and then the aftershocks keep happening. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm getting out of here. Run out, boom, and I have to go out and find food and they usually say during um during a big earthquake or something the 7-eleven or the uh, family mart will have open for emergencies so mm-hmm. you should be able to go there and buy I, I i get to the convenience store and they're closed down okay but i know i can go to the uh mini mart whatever and they're closed down too mm-hmm. virtually i have no food at home I have maybe a small emergency kit that's maybe two pieces of instant ramen. Mm. <laughs> that's all I got to live on. Uh, and then I was walking around for maybe 15 kilometers. Everything was closed down. The entire banking system were knocked out in this thing. So, of course, if you cannot do transactions, you cannot have the store opens. Um, so, anyway, after you experience this horrific thing and plus the uh, explosion of the nuclear power plant my friend the conspiracy theorist is writing to me oh, this is all the united states doing they were uh, uh, secret project harp and uh, uh like what the... and i said uh i i basically did not reply look at this and i sent him a link and i just shut up and he said oh you sound a little bit angry now uh, well you don't understand what I've been going through. Whatever you're saying right here, that I shouldn't worry. They, they, oh, space aliens, they took out the radiation from the nuclear power plant, so your country is safe. What? I mean, it's just so messed up. Uh, he, he stresses me out more than anything else on this earth, but he's still my best friend. But this year, I told myself, I really need to have a talk with this guy. So when I go back, this thing, I mean, when you go to a friend's house, you, you I mean, you probably have the same f- philosophy as me. That person's almost his castle, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I tried to try to drag him out to neutral ground so we can talk outside. Um, if not, then I'm, I'm going to have to be afraid that he's going to keep moving on with this thing. And he's into this um, strange ideas about, oh, uh, he, uh, what do you call a guy who's not really a doctor, but he says he can cure people? Homeopath? The is it the holistic homeopathy? No. Oh, yeah, homeopathology yeah. or something like that. Yeah, right. And I just think that's fucking dangerous. <laughs> uh, I mean, and he's doing many, many strange machines. He's putting people in them, and they—I'm not sure if they're paying him or not. I, I don't understand how he he can live the way he lives because uh, he's basically unemployed mm-hmm. uh, and still i mean that's the thing that the swedish government is good at we have good support systems for people who are looking for jobs and stuff like that as long as you're looking for jobs you are getting uh, 
some kind of a safety net uh, mm -hmm. financially, but to the minimum living standards as possible. You should be able to pay your rent, your water, your gas, and a little bit of food and some uh, yeah. clothes, stuff like that. But uh, for him, it seems more like a lifestyle rather than, uh, I mean, like trying to snap out of it and get a real job. I mean, that's, uh, I, I just feel sorry for him when I meet him. I mean, even the strangest thing happened though. So he has all this technology. He, he's technically a doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, but of course he cannot say I cure cancer. I cure blah, blah, blah. Of course you, it's, yeah, you have been through this. You, you, I understand. Yeah. I know your backstory, but he, mm -hmm. he says, I cannot say those things. And because I'm not technically a doctor. And I was like, wait, what is it? Which, which side of the coin are you trying to tell me what, what you are? Right. Yeah. Um, but then he himself got sick. Uh, so why don't you use the machine on yourself? That's what I wanted to tell him. Yeah. So he has diabetes, I think diabetes two or Ooh. I think two or three or so, something. So they have to, yeah, his uh, big toe on his uh, right foot has died. They had to chop it off. Like, what the? I was like, man, aren't you seeing this right now? I mean, if you had those bad conditions, why aren't these things helping you? I mean, that's that's some of the things I'm afraid I will have to pull out of my card next time I meet him. Yeah. That's what I would like to tell him that uh, it's not healthy for him either, you know, yeah. to live yeah. this kind of lie or this strange reality. He even tells he's... Uh, Okay, now this even I can go crazy with this guy, but I just want to <laughs> say the last thing. Uh, he said, "I'm a time warrior." What? Celestial <laughs> warrior. He can dream. He can meet people he's never met before, and they can fight off the Illuminati together. In, I mean, yeah, already here. It's like, I mean, he's he's a sweet guy, but he has all these mass delusions somehow and i don't know how i'm gonna take it next time i mean it's, oh yeah, it's like goodness. speaking to a space alien or something like that i mean uh, <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do i mean sure that's a lot of come on to your show and talk about it but oh man i'm just gonna be like this like guy, hmm. yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly i guess right right mm -hmm. right yeah i i i'm i'm i'm, I'm clammed up I can just do the interjection. Mm -hmm, I see. Okay. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, so, I mean, that's the craziest thing. I mean, if everything you told would be a great idea for a computer game, he would. <laughs> I mean, we already have time splitters. What do we, right. what do we need? Right? Uh, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, I mean, these, uh, at the beginning of this year, it's actually very interesting when we talk about people and new music projects. I, I thought I was going to have a project that was going to be involving me writing music for the Olympic Games 2020. Uh, um, and um, the guy I was talking to, I will not mention his name because uh, he's very private, but I can tell mm -hmm. you he like a lot of American jazz, uh, jazz players, less jazz legends. They actually find Japan to be very good with the jazz scene. So they actually move from the United States and they settle down in Japan. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this guy, he has played with all the big ones from the United States. I mean, he and he said he was a protege of Miles Davis. 
really? protege. Yeah. Miles Davis and uh, Al Jarreau, um, they found him when he was like a, a teenager uh, older. And he didn't have um, like money to really go to university, but he took time to study music theory and all this stuff. And he reharmonized a lot of tracks. Mm -hmm. And um, he was found by Miles Davis and uh, Al Jarreau. And uh, they brought him under his wing to learn to play wow. and tour with these guys out there. And now he lives in Japan since in the mid 1980s, 1985 mm -hmm. or something like that. He came here. Mm -hmm. um, and the funny thing, he was on my friends list on, on the Facebook. And um, we, uh, and this was right at the beginning, I started to do my uh, uh, Facebook streams when I'm writing music live, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I invited him because we had just common friends. I thought, well, oh, could be an interesting guy. Oh, he plays bass. Nice. And he didn't interact with me until six months later. Mm -hmm. And he said, we got to talk. Okay. All right. So we, we had this talk and he's, he is, um, very serious. And I like serious musicians who, who see value in people. And uh, that's fine and all that. And um, he said, uh, we should, I, I got something I would like you to do. Uh, we, we should work on something together, he said. And I was very humble when he told me who he was and who he's been involved with and who he's been performing with. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that he was like, um, um, there were a lot of other bass players. If you're interested in the jazz world, Abram Laborio uh, and... Uh, another guy right now. And he said, those people stole my licks, <laughs> basically. So this guy knows basically everybody in the American jazz world, basically. But somehow we ended up in Japan isolated, but he still works with uh, people high up in the Japanese government, especially mm. now people who are arranging the Olympic games for the 2020. And, but when he heard me, he said, you could actually help me with this and that's going to be great, but let's have a meeting. So we arranged a meeting and then we, uh, I came to his station and we, when I met him, he said, and he was very blunt with me and said, okay, if I don't hear anything interesting out of your mouth in the next 20 minutes, I'm leaving. I mean, hmm. he was very straightforward, but I've taken the, uh, the right to go all the way to his place. I'm not thinking I'm wasting my time here. So in a way, we're sitting down and I told him about my philosophy about the music. He had the same philosophy, so that was pretty good. But he was also looking for um, a protege. He wanted me to, uh, he he wants to teach me. Uh, I mean, that's actually a very, very nice honor mm -hmm. to have that legend sitting right in front of you. But remember what they said, there's a saying, never meet your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I met a few of them and they've really been nice uh, because I know every, like every album they're making, I see them on media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're very easy to understand and their personnel is very, very nice. But when you hear about this guy who's living in the shadows, he's been playing bass in, in live uh, Japanese shows, you know, like, cool. He has a lot of people in the industry here mm -hmm. that could actually help me. Um, we ended up talking for two hours, two hours. Okay. And that's pretty good impression. 
Yeah. And I just felt kind of happy because we're sitting outside in Starbucks and I went in and I bought like a small cocoa and uh, I was in, but, um, and I didn't recall on this until later, but just maybe about an hour into our conversation, uh, a young Japanese couple sitting down next to us and they said, uh, you guys are musicians in mm -hmm. English. I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a music producer. He's, and he said, uh, we're partners. Wait a minute. We haven't even decided anything yet here. But he did tell me right before we started. He said, uh, "I have a mild case of Asperger's and uh, a bipolar disorder." Like, oh. Uh, but since I'm the guy who can kind of neutralize his personality, stay on level, mm. uh, I didn't think there would be any problem, right? So I thought he was really honest with me. And he said, yeah, this is our first meeting together, but we're partners. And I was like, no, no. In my head, I'm screaming, no, no, we haven't decided anything yet, right? <laughs> so anyway, so we were talking with them, and this couple, they actually had really good music. I mean, imagine the white stripes, but 10 times better and heavier and more tight. Wow. They were, they were freaking amazing, this couple. And uh, right now, I'm the only person in contact with them uh, because of the story. So they actually were living in the area, and so does he. Mm -hmm. And after that, I said, okay, I, nice meeting you, bro. Uh, I got to go back home. Blah, blah, blah. All right, I'll call you, bro. That's what he said to me. Yeah, why am I doing the bro thing? That's <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's that what it felt like. Uh, even thought he's like in his 60s, I mean, my 30s. Uh, so, yeah, double the experience. And you think, oh, this is a respected guy. I try to look up more of his stuff on the internet and listen to him. And man, he he's damn good. He is really, mm -hmm. really good. And especially his performance with Al Jarreau at the uh, uh, Montreal uh, Jazz Festival. That's a classic from 1986. And they played Spain. And uh, I analyzed the entire video. Actually, he told me I should analyze what he's doing on the stage and what his job as a bass player is. And then uh, just uh, two days later, I think this was a Tuesday, I get a phone call from him. And he said, yeah, my wife told me I should call you to let you know that you were in the loop. I was like, wait a minute. If we're partners, you should call me automatically. Your mm -hmm. wife should not tell me. So I, like, right, I, I started to get a warning flag right in my head. Yeah, yeah. But he told me, okay, so that couple we met at, at the, the Starbucks. Let me get that. Um, um, I'm going to help them buy a music computer, he said. And I'm going to set it up for them so they have a music computer so they can start writing ideas and then we can start working with that. And I said, okay, cool. Um, uh, I wish you guys good luck. Uh, find a computer and software and all this stuff. Yeah, no problem. I got everything. And then 8 p.m., I get a, a phone call or a, like a video call from the Japanese couple and they're freaking out his personality totally changed from happy chipper guy to super serious uh, pissed off old man and uh, from that day i was like okay if he's scaring away our clients i don't want to be a part of it yeah so, and uh, no matter what i was doing for a whole one or two weeks he left really bad uh, things on my Facebook. I wanted to block him, but I don't really want to because I don't want to look like the bigger asshole. Uh, 
But so he basically went back into the mentality of a child. He was just screaming, 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 you asshole, you, you, you lost a chance, blah, blah, blah. I'm better than you. You'll never beat me. But I mean, he has like delusions of grandeur, this guy. But then I had a flashback. Was he honest with me? Really? Everything he said, was he really true? Then I realized, uh, I'm flashing back to that meeting outside Starbucks. He didn't drink coffee. He didn't drink anything from the store. He was drinking something from a, um, a plastic uh, bag. And of course, I, I want to think the best about people the first time I meet them. They will have a good mm. time to represent themselves. Yeah. But then I realized he spilled out some liquid and it was not water. So he was drinking liquor right in front of my face. And combine that with uh, his Asperger's and bipolar. No wonder he was losing his fucking mind. Plus, he, uh, I heard from the Japanese couple, they said um, he didn't want us to pay for the computer. They just wanted us to bring him alcohol. And I was like, what? Okay. I'm pulling the plug on this one. I mean, I had such a great opportunity if the guy was really honest with me. But from the first moment I met him, I realized I was deceived from from the get go. Uh, if I could have worked with him, I would have probably got some more music work involving other areas of the Japanese industry for sure. Mm -hmm. But to know that what he's doing right now, uh, I don't want to. I mean, as long as you are. I mean, that's the thing. If you're in an area like Japan where mouth, uh, the word of mouth is very, very important, mm -hmm. it will spread fast. If you lost your client or anything like that, uh, that will set off warning signals that if you hear my name or blah, 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 that guy's name, oh, we're, we're blacklisting them right away. So I pulled... <laughs> pulled out <laughs> uh, i didn't want to say that uh but yeah that was the thing yeah for the first time i actually pulled out of a deal that was too good to be true um but i don't know how my wife smells the bullshit from a mile away i just didn't get it. she was not even in the same room but she already knew that that he was bad news nice Family uh, intuition. I wish I had it, man. <laughs> you probably had to tell her like two lines of a sentence and she's like nope nope you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, it sucks when people are not really straight with you. Uh, but I mean, that's why I'm so happy that I met you because you've done so much within a year. And uh, and um, it's like, I wonder if I'm going to be a regular on a show. And now it's been a year and boom, I'm back. <laughs> <you know? laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm so happy what you've accomplished. I'm, I'm happy to be on your journey. I'm happy to see where you've been and hope be part of, uh, of your um, life. That, that's actually uh, very rewarding to me to see that you're, I mean, I, I saw you from the beginning. You had nothing. And yeah. then you moved to a house and yeah. boom, look at all the stuff <laughs> behind you now, all those boxes. And, and you're doing reviews, you're getting review copies, you get to enjoy a lot of cool stuff before even other people get to enjoy it. I mean, that that is uh, uh, one of your dreams come true. And I'm really happy that you get to do what you do. And yeah, and yeah, it's, it's really nice to be I, on the show as well. I mean, you know, like when I stop and I think back, back a year, you know, you were the third 
professional interview I ever had. Third or fourth. Oh, wow. I was right in the beginning. Huh? Third or fourth. Third or fourth. Because I think, yeah, the first one was Dorothy Fawn. Oh, Griffin Burns and Dorothy Fawn. Then I did. Cody uh, guy was before me, right? Cody, yeah. 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 Right before you is Cody. Then it was you. And then after you, I had Richard Epcar. And then it just, it, it just pedal to the metal yeah, yeah literally to the point now like is i i don't like i, I still reach out to people for interviews mm. but it's like if i if i just casually start talking to someone it's like oh i heard about your podcast from such and such and i'm friends with them and it just it's crazy like within one year you know it's, it's exactly like you said i went from nothing i had nothing to now it's like whoa i oh i got flown to e3 I, you know, I'm invited to this, like next month I'm going to Hawaii con and I'm going to be on a panel with a bunch of actors and voice actors and I'm doing, they're, they're going to stream it live. And I'm like, this is going to be on TV. They're like, yeah, it's going to be on national TV. And I'm like, holy wow. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it was crazy right after, I mean, yeah, we had um uh, this interview yeah about a year ago exactly like in august somewhere. yeah i think right after combo breaker yeah uh combo breaker happened around this time so yeah it's exactly a year yeah i believe this is exactly like a year ago uh and then i remember i went to actually i'm gonna do this this year as well i'm going to uh toyama prefecture at the end of the month and i'll be mm. teaching uh ro robotics engineers and that's when i got an email from of all places for Sweden game convention. <laughs> and that takes place in my hometown in my shit, a little Swedish country <sighs> of all places that like think Sweden, Detroit city, you know, it's like, Whoa, we make the, the car engine. We make the Volvo, uh, the main, uh, drive range for the, our trucks and stuff like that. So it's a mm -hmm. very industrial town. Uh, <clears throat> but what I, I was so surprised that the university in my town is international, yes. Uh, but I left Sweden in 2005, but back in 2007, two years later, they started a game development-based university that includes programming, animation, graphic design, game design, game psychology, sound design, and music, all cramped into my shitty little town of all places i don't get it because i told people right before i left uh the gaming industry the software industry will be one of the industries that are going to help people get jobs yeah by doing everything from scratch there's like we don't need wood we don't need any metal or anything it's like yes produce software will be the biggest thing and i think i said that already in the beginning of the year 2000 or something like that. But mm -hmm. no one in my town was believing that uh, making a computer game company or software company would be a viable way to go. But here they are now, two, uh, 2018 at the end of August. And, uh, and the thing was that I was in Sweden in April the very same year and I did um, a talk at the university uh, mm -hmm. about writing music for the Japanese gaming industry and all that stuff. But now they wanted me to come for the Swedish game convention, which is like uh, Tokyo game show or um, 
E3, but much smaller. It's just <laughs> one one basketball court big, <laughs> you know, and uh, a few side courts on the side for um, uh, like presentations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they said, yeah, you you were in our hometown in April, and we heard that you were uh, doing music with Japanese. Would you like to come and do a, a a presentation and a workshop? I was like, yeah, sure. I never done a workshop. I didn't say this, but I never done a workshop before. But that actually laid the foundation for what I would say my challenging uh, Twitter post that I put up. You decide what I'm gonna do, and I will mm-hmm. try to fulfill it. So I had that kind of interaction with the audience for three hours and the goal was here to make a piece ready for uh, to present to clients as your first draft so in the f- so i had two days so six hours uh to do this but n- i mean before i even started here a lot of people said this is going to be impossible I'm sure you're going to write a whole song in three hours of course i did it you know that's what i was trained to do <laughs> but then the next day i mean that was the craziest thing the next day i did two songs in three hours for different game genres i was like shit i broke my own record i had no idea so so that was quite a success but how i got that thing was even more bizarre i mean uh they said the previous speaker we had uh i guess he was the composer for world of warcraft yeah and he couldn't make it this year and he was there the the previous year as well so now they emergency call and say hey we have this guy in japan a swedish guy too but let's see what he can do and uh after doing that i was i actually got really good feedback from the session i think you can actually see my um my workshop online mm-hmm. on youtube actually and um, i wonder if it's there on youtube can i just check it yeah, and go, maybe go later ahead. I can uh, mail it for you. Um, yeah. Sweden Game Conference 2018 uh, Music Workshop. Um, boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. Composing a flow state. No templates, no plans, just feeling. That was the uh, title of my talks here. Um, so I'm just going to drop it into your chat. Yeah. Uh, the link. So I have two of them. Uh, I guess this is the... Uh, First one, where's the chat? Oh, over here, open chat. Oh man, the Facebook thing has changed a lot. There you go, there's the link for you. Okay, I got it. So that's part one, and I think there's another part once you just look for the second one. But um, so there you will have about three hours, six hours worth of workshop um, for what we did. So if anyone is interested to see that, yeah, just Mechel will have the link for you. Yep. Uh, definitely I'll leave it in the description, the video and the podcast. So make sure you guys definitely check that out. So that was what happened over a year ago. So I'm glad a lot of things have come to fruition from that. Um, but yeah, and, and I mean, uh, the most fun thing was, of course, when you introduced me to uh, the Fallen Central Broad guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> there, there were uh, two other project looked really interesting and one of them has uh but still actually now there's a thing the the, the guy that i know he's been doing a lot of work pulling work for sega and capcom and Mm -hmm. but he's actually living in new york um 
but he he told me he he knows all the stuff that's going around especially when it comes to pixel art and animation and he says a lot of the, the game developer and he looked at the fallen city brawl animation oh they just stole some sprites from king of fighters and just painted it over and and everybody's using the same run animation 85 percent mm. if i take those and line them up they're the same guy like uh so he knows pretty much about stock or when people are copying mm-hmm. obvious when people are not putting effort in it. and there was this uh, other 3d fighter that looks like a uh looks like streets of rage but it's a side scroller but with 3d assets um and um and he said yeah those are your stock characters stock animations and it's like I think it took uh, a fight in a subway with dynamic lighting and stuff like that. Um, and, was it? Um, man, I forgot the name of that game, but it's an indie, indie fighting game. I think I have it on my Switch. Um, yeah. Keep talking. I'm gonna pull it up because I, I I think okay. I I think I know what what it is. It's uh, geez. why do I have to have so many games on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten a Switch yet, but I'm thinking uh, I might get one soon, but maybe I'm out of the race already. I mean, I I would love to buy just for the uh, Doom Doom game. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm getting close. Mm. Is it something Justice? Is uh, it's got 3D assets and I Raging Justice? Let me see if I pull it up on Twitter here. Um, it's so funny. People were praising that game. I absolutely hate it. Ra- raging. Raging Justice. Oh, sorry. The company's probably going to be like, Mikael, we're never going to sing you a game again. You say you hate it. <laughs> there are some games that I get that they have a really good premise, and then I play it, and it's absolutely horrible. And people will be like, oh, where's your review? There's not going to be one. <laughs> right. I'm I'm looking at the, oh, yeah, no, this is not the game. That looks like 3D asset then printed into 2D. Uh, no, this is not the game. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. It, it looks too choppy. Yeah. Uh, um, now, there was a, it's a game that's in production right now. So it's not released or anything. Oh man, that that looks very choppy. I mean, it's a cool cool idea, cool design concept, but it's like m- lacking frame or smoothness. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, horrible. It's, oh wow, was that a like a Resident Evil zombie cop or whatever? <laughs> uh, a pimp? Oh man, okay, no, I'm not gonna watch that anymore. Um. Uh, anyways, it was like uh, a game. I think was made in like Unreal. Unreal Engine or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was all 3D assets, and and my friend said uh, actually a lot of people I work with are actually developers of the uh, engine. He said, and I I know those are stock characters that they have thrown in to make a fighting game out of. So I mean that's a another thing. Uh, I, I start to question myself when I look at independent game developers, and I, and if I'm not doing my research, I can never spot. If it's like uh, mm-hmm. the default animations or default assets that no one is tweaking them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what would you call it? Like 
a lot of people were criticizing a lot of uh, game developers for asset flipping. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but the game you just showed there, that actually looked like original assets, though. Um, that that is pr pretty cool looking assets. But uh, as you said, yeah, the animation or uh, the execution, the yeah. printing the three D into the two D, is an interesting concept. But uh, yeah, it just doesn't work with the rest of the uh, the graphics. Uh, yeah, there's kind of a disconnect with that. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I don't know if you've seen like, the game uh, Gekiro. Um, Gekiro? Ge is, is it, uh, or is it Gekiro uh, uh, Kintaro's Revenge? Like when I first played that, because it, it originally came out in 2002 and then they re released it last year on the Switch and uh, PS4 and Xbox One. I mean, it's a very fun brawler. But I'm looking at the game, I'm like, you completely lifted so many assets from King of Fighters. And it, it's, exactly. to, it's, it's to a point, like, I'm like, I can tell what attack is what. Like, the, the, the uppercut is, that's, that's Kate Ash's flaming uppercut. And then the spin kick, that's, um, whose kick is that? That's uh, Terry Bogart's uh, guard break attack. And I'm like, right. lo looking at that. I think I mentioned it in my review and I had a lot of criticism from people saying like, oh, well, nobody would notice that. I'm like, probably a lot of people would notice well, it. A lot of people who play King of Fighters <laughs> would notice that. Yeah. So uh, now I'm really, as I said, um, so maybe having that little break from it, I mean, it could be good for people to uh, analyze the amount of frame for that kind of animation, but they should still come up with something that doesn't look similar. Um, yeah. So... And I, I think now when people are, as I said, when I was looking at the Fallen City Brawl and my friends are, oh, those are King of Fighters uh, basic animations. Even Joe Hisashi's uh, kick, in the, kick in the bag animation in, in one of his, he says, yeah, yeah, that's definitely Joe Hisashi. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe he, he will redo the assets later on. These are just placeholders or something. Um, I, I, I hope so. Otherwise, I like all of his ideas, the, the breakable sets and all that stuff. I mean, those... Nice little things. I even I, I even pitched an idea to him um, that would have an audio work. Maybe there would be two soundtracks, one that's cinematic and one that it's more like a Streets of Rage, like a, like a OST, mm -hmm. but have a dynamic soundtrack. But then I was like, maybe he said, no, uh, we're just going to have one soundtrack through the entire thing. But then I thought, how about an Easter egg if you're in the gym and I think if you make two speakers, if you knock off the left speaker, only the right channel is, uh, you can only hear the right channel of the music. Or if you break the stereo, uh, the music go into like action movie, cinematic kind of fighting music. And mm -hmm. you, you get out of that way. So if anything breaks or something disappears, you would only hear left or right channel of the stereo until you break it. Uh, that was something I pitched to him about it. That's dope. Though. I, I would love to that see would that. That would be a really cool thing to do. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but as, I, as now, I don't know if I'm involved in the project for now. Uh, as I said, it, it's, it's on ice on my end for now. But I'm, you know, well, let's see what happens. I mean, I think he has a very nice, nice, uh, like, bringing the, I mean, I like the way he's doing the Neo Geo zooms. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like his take on the character getting out right up into your face uh, approach to it. 
I think it's going to be a really cool game if you manage to pull off uh, all the assets assets into a, a new direction, not make it so obvious. Uh, yeah. So then I think yeah. we have definitely a, a hit on his hands for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and you know I, I, that's that's one of the things like you know you, you mentioned like not knowing if you're part of a project anymore or if the project's on mm -hmm. ice. Um, I mean, I, I've been running to that a lot lately too with a lot of different companies. I mean, from uh, Citrix. Uh, I don't know if you've been made aware of like that whole debacle with their previous CEO. Beatrix. Uh, I'm actually not so familiar. Um... With it. They make yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's the craziest thing. That the last year, I've barely been touching on any new games or developers uh, since I'm stuck doing. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm stuck with Street Fighter Five. I'm happy for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like. But there, I'm writing to specs. I don't really get to. I mean, sure, I do get to write eighty, ninety percent of the music that the way that I want it to be. And maybe ten percent input from the company, but I do feel that independent games has so much more. Uh, they can really make a game stand out, yeah, because it's pure creativity. It's like every person has an idea that they want to execute and put it into the game. And for me, I would really like to write a soundtrack, top to bottom, for one game. I mean, I remember. Um, uh, this uh, walking simulator was called. Um, you're like, uh, there was like no communication in the game, but you're walking through this desert. A uh, journey, journey, journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And man, the music really carried the uh, the, the entire game, basically. Yep. Together with the audio cues for simple communication with other players, and it was just so beautiful. And now you have. The game that was supposed to be an independent game, Ori and the Black Forest. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Sorry. Yeah. Let's start off as an independent game, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful to see. But now they're they've done a part two, but then you think, well, now they're not really independent anymore. If if another yeah. company is done, so now, I mean, that's that's the thing. I really find it sad when like now. We are like, I, I wrote a tweet the other day talking why I haven't bought a single electronic art game since 2005. Hashtag microtransactions. You know, it's just killing, uh, killing the industry. I mean, yeah. Angry Joe and the other Joe, they were like, okay, we're going to play um, NFL Madden 2019. And they were comparing it. It's the same fucking game. Yeah. I want to create a new character. Oh, I only got four faces. Oh, in the old game, same four faces. It's so cheap. Man, they just slap another name onto it and just change around the rosters, and that's it. Uh, they do the absolute bare minimum, and I think EA, I, I mean, I wanted to do something like, uh, I mean, I know they're the big... I don't know if I'm going to say it on your show, but... You can say uh, it. There's no filter. The big, okay, all right. Uh, the, the, the big band. I mean, they used to be a really good company. I mean, yeah. I really loved... Um, okay, before we had Scandal with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods Golf 99 was yeah. fantastic for me. Great presentation, great music, and the commentary. It's just 
a good atmosphere. Uh, but then after 2002, I think the last game I bought was the Japan South Korea World Soccer World Championship. It, it was a great looking game for the mm-hmm. time, and I was just blown away. But after that, I I didn't get a PlayStation. To uh, I didn't have a console until I moved to Japan. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, but it's like around 2012. Now that's when a DLC really start to take off yeah and uh and dlc as content that should not be locked away on a disc uh i i think was horrendous and i know that uh capcom was uh uh well they were kind of part of that because they didn't know how much information they could put on the disc to yeah. have that as yeah. a thing so there was more like a a file that access the thing from the internet so they can download it to to the hard drive so I think people were not getting familiar with the technology, and I think it was like in its infancy in 2012, the DLC. Yeah. But man, a lot of companies got a lot of hate for that. But at least it was optional. I mean, yeah, you don't you don't have to buy it if you need to succeed. You can still clear up the game with what you've got. Anything else is just a bonus, and I think games should be that way. Yeah. Uh, but every time I look at EA, I mean, how much more can they mess up? games that on paper look really good like uh, Battlefront 2 I mean Swedish made Star Wars game and yeah, okay let's put microtransactions in you have to buy those guns you have to buy those characters it just doesn't make me want to play the game if I have to pay to win yeah um, and so basically since 2005 I haven't bought any electronic art games I swear I've never touched any electronic art game since 2005 and i feel happy about it i only buy second hand though uh, <laughs> we don't need to have online <laughs> online drm to play i mean uh yeah i mean it's and that's the thing what was it they there you always had to be online for a one player game which is also really really weird yeah. uh, but at least now they have to live up to a different game company. As I said earlier, uh, CD Projekt Red, they're doing everything completely right at this point. You know, speaking of CD Projekt Red, like you look at The Witcher 3 as a base game, like just your $60 for that. That game, that's hundreds of hours right there if you do everything. Exactly. And then each of the two DLCs is like a whole full game. So I don't understand why other companies are not taking that approach i mean i know in the sense of profitability they're looking at the short game not the long game of how they can just make money up front but you look at c project red and you look at how they did the witcher 3 that came out what 2015 yeah and it's been it's been what four years now since that came out and and... it still looks great man yeah it looks nice it's like that that's the model and that's why I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk 2027. Yeah, 2097. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, man. When, when he stepped out of there, oh, you're breathtaking. Yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They, they 
that was just the ba best sales pitch they could ever have was a guy in the audience just going off and he got a free game and uh, pre-order bonuses straight out of the box. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's so sweet of them. I mean, Polish game developers have really putting the pressure on American developers for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was like, uh, like in the early 2000s, that's, I think, Polish game developers starting to get the new tech. I mean, they usually, mm. if you compare Sweden to Poland, Sweden was really ahead of the curve at, at the time. Mm. We had uh, Digital Illusions, who then became DICE mm -hmm. in, in their infancy. But already before the year 2000, they already released uh, three three or four games, three pinball games, and then uh, uh, Battlefield 1942 before the year 2000. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, that was, and the Polish developer was just getting out of that demo stage and then started developing because there, there are a lot of great programs in Poland and great artistry, but financially, Poland has been kind of a, like a, a cheap country. I mean, it would be like the China of Europe. I mean, if you want something made cheap, you go you go to Poland. Uh, I, mean, I didn't know it, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really like they were like, "Oh, you don't want any, you don't want any Russian car? Uh, we'll take it. We'll we'll buff it up for you." You know, like they're really good at recycling and stuff and like that. I mean, they're, and I think really at uh, the first Witcher game, the first hit. Uh, I think from all what they've learned and being really good on the software side, uh, I think what really sets them apart from other uh, game developers now, they're, they're not hunting for the money. They want to give you an experience. And they, was, they just want to be done, get the product with at least amount of bugs as possible, and then ship it out. And uh, yeah. And that shows really... Uh, the the high standard they're living up to, even though yeah. Poland was used to be a very poor country, be able to produce something that awesome that is now Cyberpunk twenty ninety, and I don't know how they got Keanu Reeves on board. <laughs> That's the thing that <laughs> blows my mind. I think Sweden, I think the only Hollywood actor we managed to get for a movie was Mark Hamill playing a terrorist. <laughs> in a Swedish action movie called Commander Hamilton. <laughs> uh, what are you expecting to do? Swim out of here? Uh, I mean, that's a... Uh, Mark Hamilton's a nice guy. I mean, he's, he's like a quarter Swede. He's, his my grandmother, I think, is from, from Gothenburg and his father is uh, American. So. Oh. Grew up in New York, I guess, but he uh, moved to Japan and he uh, studied in Yokohama uh college i guess in his young years so oh that's pretty cool yeah i had no idea that he was studying in yokohama so <laughs> yeah following his footsteps i guess <laughs> yeah if there's one more thing i would like to uh to really get into this year besides music and i mean i've been doing sound design as a hobby like you saw my street fighter 2 re remix of putting it all together mm-hmm uh, the last thing I would like to do is to be uh, doing voice acting. Um, hmm. And yeah, a lot of musicians are voice actors. I mean, I, what really blew my mind was when I saw Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, uh, what is Sons of the Patriots? No. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Sons of the Patriots. Yeah, Sons of the Patriots, right? Uh, that's 
I think was Stephen Bloom. Uh, uh, Sons of Liberty. Sons, Sons, Sons of, Liberty. of Liberty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we were thinking the same way, but in the wrong way. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, when, when I um, I was reading up about these actors and I realized, wow, um, to be good at doing these dubs, because first of all, they get the Japanese dub and the match, uh, match mm -hmm. lip syncing is in Japanese. And they said to get that down, it's good to have a musical background because you have to have a certain rhythm to it and then try to disregard the Japanese, but still be able to hit your mark. That's, mm -hmm. that's really, uh, really tough, they said. Uh, but it helps if you have a musical background. So I was like, well, I love making voices. I love to mimic. Uh, I mean, I, I do some really bad Keanu Reeves impressions. I'm not going to do it right here. <laughs> but uh, if, and that's the thing. Yes, yeah, so I, I really hope within this year, I'll probably do some kind of voice acting gig as well for some game voiceover. But man, as if you said, the King of Fighters. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome if, if there was a way for me to get in there. Um, so yeah, that would be cool. I mean, this it's funny because SNK has a lot of Swedish King of Fighters characters, but yeah. none of them are speaking Swedish, right? Yeah. The team, team Orochi team, there are two Swedish guys in the team, Chris and the, the tall dude. Uh, Yo Yoshiro or something, yeah? Yoshiro, yeah. <laughs> they're Swedish like what the hell would the Japanese names give them give them something Anderson John or something like that <laughs> uh, but then of course the biggest Swede of all time right now is, is probably in Tekken that's Lars Alexanderson and he doesn't even speak <laughs> he doesn't speak Swedish or English he, all in Japanese but they tell him oh, this guy's uh, half Swedish half Japanese but he he grew up in Sweden in a marine force or whatever some, some shit like that it's like, man, I would, I would love to dub that guy, <laughs> especially when he flicks up his cell phone and and he calls for support or something. It would be really cool for him to say uh, something Swedish like, uh, "You need an ambulance." Can I quickly hit an ambulance? That would be so funny to do, you know. It's like, quick medisk help, send a medic, you know. It's like, yeah. So I mean. There's so much talent here in Japan. It's it's crazy. We have so much international talent, but uh, a lot of um, yes, yeah, dev developers. I'm not sure if they're looking into it. They just think, oh, that's a cool looking dude, or that's a cool looking design. But but yeah, I I do hear the um, Street Fighter Five, aka Aryan Fighter Five. <laughs> it's just so many blonde hair, <laughs> blue eyes. And it's like, and I played Final Fight the other day, and their code is is brown brown hair you know yeah it's like yeah I mean, they should have kept the brown hair for him to really make him stand out but uh i have no idea why it happens even my friend who the guy from new york who's doing all these previs and selling fighting game concepts uh <clears throat> he said that yeah i mean japanese developers they don't really care mm -hmm. if they want to get to look western blonde hair blue eyes that's it yeah yeah and i'm just like trying to see uh other uh characters they actually presented really good i mean um the ninja in tekken uh tekken five six uh who is basically uh, west snipes character um what is uh, his name um uh, raven uh, so raven right? yeah 
He's basically Blade. <laughs> Blade, basically, yeah. I really love that that design. It's really cool. And then you look at uh, like other nationalities, like as uh, Middle Eastern characters. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have many of those. Uh, but of course, what happened to Samoan characters? I don't know many Samoan. I mean, The Rock would be perfect for some kind of roided yeah. up uh, street fighter dude for some some reason. Maybe he can play Abigail if do the <laughs> <laughs> do the salmon drop or some right stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, oh man, there it, it's so weird that I mean, Street Fighter was supposed to be a world fighting game, but they kind of rely only on like three or four countries. It's like, yeah, uh, not so much diversity. But now when you look at the roster of Street Fighter V, uh, we got Brazil, United States, Japan, India, obviously, former Russia. I'm, I'm still on Sangif, you know, but nothing from Germany, nothing from, like, there's big parts of Europe that is still missing. Uh, yeah. Dudley, of course, is from the UK. I come here. Let's play with our Queensberry rules. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, there's the Cammy's sure is English, but technically Scottish. Yeah. In the first game, she's from Scotland. She's from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't have any Scottish accent or whatever. Uh, MI6. No, no, she's Interpol. Yeah. Um, uh, China, obvious. Chun Li. I mean, I'm still waiting for Pei Long. I really want Pei Long in this. <laughs> And see, I think that's the thing that I've always liked SNK more for is because with King of Fighters, they literally represent every well, or close enough to every country. Like you have yeah. so much diversity in King of Fighters characters that it, it kind of makes a lot of Street Fighter characters feel shallow in a way. There's so much backstory, designs. It's Yeah, I mean, playing from 94 to 99 or actually technically 95 to 98 yeah that's like a complete story arc that completes the orochi saga right yeah and, uh, but then see the new cast being dropped down and like oh what's their story why are they here and, and of course king of fighters 97 when the new face team of course uh, uh with a swedish kid who become a god basically i was like why is swedish guy become a god that's fine. that's so funny uh I mean, the reason that he managed to put the people into the game, I mean, that fascinated me as a teenager. But then you always have that guy and like before we even had the internet who's read about everything. And we only have one of King of Fighters machine in the city, in the rental store. And he's like, oh, did you know that this character is this and this and this? And he gives so much information that I'm not concentrating on the game anymore. And he's this fanatic that's uh, he's like a disease he's a walking disease he's like, <laughs> i can't get rid of him like gum i just want to play the fucking game like i mean sometimes i think i mean people are fascinated with one aspect of the game mm-hmm. it was definitely this guy he he knew every character but he sucked at the game yeah I mean, <laughs> it's like, I always make, okay he want to fight me i'm gonna take him out and then he leaves i'm like okay now i can enjoy the game again <laughs> so yeah i i play more king of fighters than um yeah, I mean, we only had, I, technically, I, I finished playing Street Fighter at Street Fighter 
a Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo on the CPS2 cabinet. And after that, they changed out the entire cabinet with a Neo Geo cabinet instead. Mm -hmm. So I missed out on playing the arcade version of uh, Street Fighter 3 First Strike, uh, Second... Second... Uh, Second Impact. Second Impact and Third Strike. What was it? First game? Uh, First game was just Street Street Fighter 3, right? Yeah. You had no subtitle, right? Yeah. Or I think I missed out was it? that entire thing. Was it? Or was it a new generation? Oh, the new generation. You yeah. are correct. That's the first game. The new generation, second impact, third strike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I missed all those games. So I came back in Street Fighter 4 mm-hmm. when I just bought a new laptop. Oh, wow. They're releasing it for PC. Fantastic. I'm going to try it. <laughs> um, but uh, it was more like an offline experience for me. But then I finally got a PS3, and I had a Spanish dude who we uh, I helped him write music, and he was a f- Street Fighter fanatic, and he just kicked my ass online all the time. But he lived in Tokyo, though, so mm-hmm. we, we didn't have a pretty good connection with each other. But I just gave up because, of course, he had more time to practice, and I was not in my game. And it's like... All right, now Street Fighter Five is out, and I'm too late to really enjoy or get good at the game because all the people I know, I am, I am not that good. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was just looking at, I mean, uh, I, yeah, about the latest um, thing. What, what was it? Uh, it was Evil, right? Yeah, it was the last tournament, and that yeah. leak that happened where poor Onosan. Oh man, I my heart sank really hard when I found wow they released the video already. I mean that that's a big fatal mistake, and I'm not sure who's responsible. But I, if I had to put my blame, it would be Steam. I mean, yeah, they they should be like, uh, yeah, you have the game here, but don't put it up until this date, this time. Because they yeah. didn't they do the same thing with um with Kage? Because well, I don't think it. Like earlier that day, I believe leaks were coming out from the Steam version. Oh, man. So it's like, I, I think the whole idea, because I know they want to be like, oh, it's available now. It's a surprise. Like, don't push it live on the server. I'd, right. Uh, yeah. So that moment of getting another kind of Cody moment for me was ruined just yeah. because of that. Because. <laughs> I really want to have seen the audience reaction to um, to all the three characters. Um, I mean, I think that the character I was most afraid of to cut the flag was obviously Honda because he's such a beloved character, and I mm-hmm. just didn't want to mess up. Uh, when they played the music in the trailer, yeah, they they chopped it up in different sections, but uh, but then reading underneath, and now people have been uploading the music on their own little YouTube channels out there. And, and the response is good. So I'm, I'm really happy that I, I didn't fluke this one either. Um, but yeah, I'm just hope I get a great phone call in the next few months. I mean, Hey, you're going to work on season five. I was like, <laughs> that haven't happened yet, but uh, I'm expecting it by this point because now I've been writing almost 50% of all the DLCs in season two. So um, that is kind of, that's amazing. Yeah, I thought I should not expect it, but that's uh, it seems like Capcom uh, relying on me to pull up the heavy stops when yeah. required. So, yeah. Um, 
And just glad they're coming back to me. But if they keep doing this, I I really would like to ask them, hey, don't you think it would be better if I work for you guys full time? Yeah. If so I will do it. Or if the other company might come to me first, like, as I said, Bandai Namco, or even SNK would be great. But then I start to look at it like, okay, SNK, how often do they produce a fighting game? Mm-hmm. Like once one one game per year? If that's the case, then we're in, in the clear because they're, uh, they're a yearly, like King of Fighters 2019 should be the next game, right? No, yeah. 2000. 2000. I think it's 2020. It's the next one. 2020. Yeah. Right. So XX. You know, yeah. What's going to be. Uh, <clears throat> so they actually have like a steady stream of work for that just one game every year. So that's pretty cool. So new music, new uh, a few new characters and new stages and i i kind of like the idea that you would be occupied with that entire game for a whole year and then release it and start working on the next one mm-hmm. uh, i mean sure i would like to work for bandai namco as well but then you look at their output a tekken game it's only tekken 7 for this generation on playstation 4 right mm-hmm. nothing else and that means what else are they doing um soul caliber at most soul caliber and ace combat but that's still only one game this generation, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's all the anime games they make, but then all that is using already licensed music that they have from their shows. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for original music content, I think the jobs are far and few between. And then, yeah. and Capcom obviously has a lot of licenses left. And as you said, what if they pull up another Final Fight game? That would be. That would be awesome if they do that, but I would like it to be in traditional pixel form or hand-drawn, not 3D. I mean, they tried to do it, and that turned into a nightmare with a Final Fight Streetwise. Yeah. Uh, and then they had another one called uh, Knockdown or Beatdown, the Beatdown, I think. Yeah. They wanted to be the new Final Fight, but it just didn't feel like a Final Fight game. It was just... It felt more like a GTA clone without the cars. You just go around punching people, you know. It's like, uh, but Namco had a really good one. I really liked a lot. Urban Rain, like a round-based fighter. Urban Rain, exactly. And I mean that that was great music, kick-ass characters, and unlocking Law and uh, Paul Phoenix. (laughs) It's the the best feeling to go around and uh, do dragon punches on, uh, like uh, charge punching throw the people into the obstacles all around the course. <laughs> Great. I mean, I wish they could re-release that up the uh, quality on the HD. I mean, the game really plays good because they're using just the Tekken 4 or Tekken 5 animations in that game. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it had so much replay value. And I think that's, if the game really should do, I mean, that's what Street Fighter and Tekken is doing, replay, replay value. But I, I think when we started, I think Tekken 3 was the ultimate replay value. Oh, I finished the game with this character. Oh, a new character unlocked. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to do this again, you know, for another 15 times. And then I have a huge roster of characters. And it's just so fun to have something new to play. And of course, Dr. Boskanovich. <laughs> uh, the creepy crawly. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that was some old memories, but that means 
we're we're getting old. But that was 1996. Yeah, that's crazy, man. First Tekken '94, then Tekken Two '95, '96 really changed Tekken to what I really loved about the production. the The music was up high yeah. in in that game. Um, everything after Tekken Three, it's just besides this uh, side note of Tekken Four, that was kind of a little bit disappointing. But it was a cool concept. I mean, why not fight in an office building and see paper fly up uh, or stuff like that? I mean, it was some of the concept they had, but they couldn't realize it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it would be fantastic. I mean, look at I take the game and the engine from Max Payne 3 and put Tekken characters in and have them fight out in this office space where there used to be a shootout, see all the paper fly and things fall over dynamically. I mean, uh, that is, I'm actually, I would love to play Max Payne 3 again, if I have to be honest, because that's such <laughs> a good production. Um, you, you played it? Max yep. Payne 3? Yep. I yeah. loved it. That game is really, really good. It's not a company that does really well as Rockstar. Like, mm. Man. But it's uh, sure sad to see what's happened uh, with the um, outsourcing department like Bondi Entertainment and their, I mean, uh, what was it? Their detective game, um, L.A. Noir. Yeah. I, I really liked it, but I just felt something was missing. And then you realize it's one guy responsible for all the uh, NPC animations of just people walking down the street and they had no manpower. Just feels a little bit empty, but I love the story. I yeah. Love the story, but it's so sad to see uh, a company like Bondi be so mishandled by the director who used to be Rockstar North, or he used to be one of the first people at uh, uh, DMA Design, I think, mm -hmm. in the UK. Uh, he just went crazy, I think. And I, the game could have been good if they had. The right people but then to know that they had to bring in people to redo the code and they never even seen the previous code i mean it's just crazy <laughs> when you think about it and i saw the documentary about the game the other day but man I, I, if we could have a max Payne 3 with uh or similar to max Payne with solid detective work interrogation and put it in the eighties, like Miami Vice. Man, that, that would be a, the best game ever, I think. <laughs> and then guest star Lucia <laughs> into the fray there uh, with her music. Yeah, I mean that was also a very fun thing. Besides the character theme of Lucia, now we're coming back to that, was to do her um, story story mode music as well. Mm -hmm. Ooh, forgot the thing. And especially when arcing back to when they talk about, um, what is it? Uh, yeah, Hagger is talking about the Mad Gear gang and the, mm -hmm. gang and the music playing there. I thought, what if Final Fight sounded like this back in the 80s or 90, early 90s? And I, I was happy to have that industrial chain metal clank mm -hmm. stuff going on in the music there in a very somber mood. Um, I really love doing all those little nods. And, and it was also something I realized when Lucia is meeting uh, Cody at, at the pier just after Seku zooms away in the background, right? Mm -hmm. And you listen for the uh, uh, bass line. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, <laughs> yep. I, and, I, and I forgot I even did that. I think it was just 
raw instinct. I didn't notice it, that I did a Final Fight baseline in, in, in that. I just realized later, holy shit, that's Final Fight. <laughs> From the first level, uh, the slums, right? Yep. Yeah. But I did it in such a different way. It was just, I had, yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes I write music. It just happened per automata. I mean, uh, and that's the thing. Um, doing the cutscenes here for Lucia's story, I basically had no complaints whatsoever. Wow. Uh, so that was maybe just the ending of Lucia when her noodles are overcooked. <laughs> uh, that uh, I decided, let's have a little bit more uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Fulton Meyer-ish kind of ending to her arc there. And, mm. and so it kind of worked out kind of in a fun comedy way there. Um, but then also comedy, unintended comedy. Uh, when you play through G-Story and you, uh, Menat is coming into the picture. Uh, do you remember that sequence? Yeah, I do. And she speaks to the shadow of uh, Rose, Rose, I, I guess. Yep. But then suddenly you hear that trumpet. It's like, no, this sounds like Snoopy's teacher. <laughs> and I, it, it was not intentional. I just thought, oh, it's just to represent that she got beaten by G, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the way she's placed and she's not saying anything at the moment, it sounds like Rose is now in, in the world of Snoopy. And that was not intentional. It just... <laughs> For now, when I'm looking at it, oh, wow, that's really funny. But that was not the case. But yeah. Now, when people say, oh, that's that's like Snoopy's teacher or something. Womp, 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 womp. I just thought, okay, all right. I have to call that a stroke of genius, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that Rose is in the game, but she actually hasn't said a, a, word. a single line. Yet. Yeah. And of course, that's another character that's maybe on the table as well. I mean, I hope so. She's pivotal to Bison's plot too. Right. His story should conclude here in Street Fighter Five, right? Yeah. His story. Should... Maybe I... that is the big finale. Maybe she's the last character in season five. I don't know, but um, because because they need to somehow bridge. Because I mean, from how they've done five. It doesn't really bridge into three. Right. So yeah, at the moment, it doesn't do it. Um, yeah. Because Rose is missing. Yeah. Uh, but they've teased her so many times now. Way too many times. <laughs> so, um, and as you said, if she's the conclusion to the Bison story, she might be the last character. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I had a hard time playing as Rose in Street Fighter 4. I just find her very difficult to deal with but maybe that's good maybe that's exactly what could put bison in his place and then destroy him and then let's go on with the street fighter 3 plot yeah um, yeah i mean there's so much speculation and right now since i'm not involved in any current uh, capcom related stuff I think I've earned the right to do some speculation for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice. Sometimes when you're under contract and you're, you're involved and you cannot say anything at the moment. Yeah. But now today to say that now, right now, I'm not under any projects. I, to be able to freely speculate, that's, that's, that is kind of the part of the fun of a discussion yeah. too, as well.
Definitely. So yeah, is there anything else? Uh, oh, is there anything? Like to know? Anything you uh, you want to leave the audience with, or anything else you'd like to jump into? Oh wow. Um, uh, well, a word of wisdom: uh, never meet your heroes. <laughs> I uh, I second well, this. I second this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, when you see them on stage or something, they're they're putting on an act. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I mean, I'm not. Sure, if I were speaking with my real Swedish voice, you you probably think I'm drunk, right? So, uh, if I speak with my uh, Swedish uh, accent, uh, I sound a little bit drunk. I I just can't do it. I can't take Swedish people seriously when we speak with poor English, right? Uh, so, of course, I have to put on a little bit of act, but I would say be honest and don't hide. And you probably will have a better working experience, but I'm sorry for the guy who, who really pulled a fast one on me. And I'm glad I, I got away as soon as I did. Um, but, oh yeah, that brings me to the last thing the the, the current scandal on the fighting game community. Uh, hmm. you, yeah. You heard about, well, she, she or he, well, guilty was kicked off the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. And there was someone else, a photographer, uh, a photographer, Miss Michael Ban or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. It's terrible that these things have to happen uh, for this community. I mean, I'm I'm not part of the community per se, but I would like to be part of it in a way that I can enjoy and be happy and to see people be passionate about what they really love and say it is a safe place to be in i think safety is the most important thing and without mm -hmm. it um yeah the fighting game community really needs to I i'm not saying i mean it's own little group but yeah. they really need to be more uh, thinking about people's safety um, yeah when inviting people to events and stuff like that yeah and of course salty players will never get respect from me yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess uh what is it yesterday? Yeah, I think this is the last thing I, I would say. I mean it was uh I, I really love to see um um uh, uh, uh smug mm -hmm. and he was having a uh, four or five sets with low tier god <laughs> and oh my god, every time smug was he had Low tier God's live stream on, and he could hear him curse at him, salting smug so much. And it's like, what's the point, man? What's the point of salt? It's and I, a part of me, okay. And the reason I say this because I I know LTGs really hate it. I know the other aspect of him separate from mm -hmm. the FGC. So it's like when people. They tell me like, oh, he does this, he does that. And I'm like, I'm not going to deny it. I've seen the shit too. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, what do you, why do you think I stay away from that aspect of it? I'm just like, I, I know him as Delowin, not so much as, as LTG. Cause I think if I approached it as LTG, then I'd be like, yeah, I, I don't think I could deal with the guy, but mm. I get a different aspect of him. So like, I, is I understand the dislike and hatred for him. I've even told myself, like, dude, you, you've got in, like, I understand it started out 
as an act. And this has gotten to a point you're so infamous that you've blacklisted yourself in so many areas. Like even yeah, when you, exactly. like even when you try to do something nice, like there, there are things he's tried to do nice. People are just not going to see it because you presented yourself in such a right. way that you cannot it doesn't look genuine. Yeah. It doesn't look genuine at the end. I mean, that's why I'm such a fan of, um, uh, 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 uh oh man, Sproly Legs. Bro, yeah. Sproly Legs. Yeah. yeah. I love the way his Chun Ligas kicked his ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was laughing all the way to the bank and, and man, Broly Legs have done so much good. He's writing a, he's been written a book, book and all yep. this stuff. And have you interviewed him on your show yet? No, I've reached out to him. Um, we were supposed to have done something and then not too sure. And we kind of, I think I was waiting for a response and, I, and he never got back to me. I, I'd, I'll, I'll hit him up again. But yeah, I think that's going to be one of the talking points for sure. Uh, how was it to, put that idiot on his place you know, like, <laughs> i would love to hear his mind of thought his yeah i mean the way he managed to buy some extra airtime by doing a jump and then go into the 1000 kicks to save yeah. some extra airtime uh, it's just way out of the box not even i would think about that strategy I yeah mean, that is that was pretty cool to see so yeah he's definitely here you should meet he's very inspiring um, yeah so I'm glad he, I'm following him on, I think he even follow me back on Twitter. So yeah, I think we're cool. Yeah. Cause this, I, I know I'd like to, to have him on. I know there's a Zvin who's the, the blind street fighter player. Oh yeah. Yeah. From, um, the, uh, he's from the Netherlands. Netherlands yes. Yeah. The, the blind street fighter player. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And of course now, since this year, I'm not so occupied with music. Um, if you think it will be good for any other show, please don't hesitate to contact me. I will be able to help out. All right. I'd love to have you back on again more frequently than what yes, we've been doing. I hope so too. No more, no more year break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except for the Bali trip at the end of the year, but that will take it from <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a very nice, nice nice day for talking with you thank you thank you thank you and uh definitely tell people where they can find you plug any upcoming projects anything that uh you think would interest the audience and yeah we'll wrap it up from there all right well i'll uh, send you the links and he will put them in and uh, and for the rest of the people thank you for listening and um, i hope to see you around subscribe to my twitter and my youtube channel and if you're lucky I might do an artist page on Facebook, so I might have an artist stream, mm -hmm. uh, and I will probably do my uh, my work ethic videos live there on the stream. So that's the plan, at least. But first, I have to try to get an artist page. If not, don't hesitate to contact me on my friend request list. And if you look for my name, Daniel Lindholm, L-I-N-D-H-O-L-M, and you see... Uh, um, my, my page has a diversity logo. Mm -hmm. That's the name of my, uh, my own little company. Um, just press that and, um, you just send me a small message. Hey, I heard you on the podcast or I know you from, from this and I'll accept you. Yeah. So don't be afraid. Uh, right. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. And with that being said, people, uh, you'll be able to catch this episode of the podcast available on youtube.com slash Mikhail Casanova. You'll also be able to find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora Radio, which we just recently got on, and coming soon to... No, actually, no, it's already on Podcast One. It's on Launchpad DM, which is Podcast One's new outlet for up-and-coming podcasters. I've been trending the last four months since I've been on the platform, oh, cool. so it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh be trending with you. Man, definitely. Definitely. So with that being said, people, make sure you go and subscribe to Daniel's YouTube channel. Follow him on all of his social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'll leave all the links to everything down in the description below the podcast and the YouTube video. And uh with that being said, people, we're signing out. Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Castanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did. And since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, it includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, Please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you like, what you didn't like, and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova, as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova, and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great one.